When it comes to buying a pre-owned vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. With one of the largest selections of pre-owned vehicles in the Tampa Bay area, we have options for every situation and budget. And every vehicle comes equipped with Moss Care, which gives you added peace of mind and features and benefits such as lifetime oil changes, roadside assistance, and so much more. Visit us today and let one of our knowledgeable team members give you all the information you need to make an informed car buying decision. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. And we welcome in the radio side of things as we await Spaced Out Radio to begin here momentarily. But first, we got to welcome in Bill WD-40 so he can lube us up in the chat room for tonight's show. You always want to go into a chat nice and smooth, if you know what I'm talking about. All right, one second here. Hi, hold on. Hi, beautiful Bill WD-40. All right, hope you all on the radio side are having a good time and the podcast side having a good time tonight as well. Let's also say hello to Sandra Kincaid. Yes, we missed you. We missed you, Sandra. We did. Um, we are caught up. Don't forget the Super Chat is open. Thank you, Gizmo, for kicking things off tonight. We very much appreciate the love and support. It's a great way to support what we do. And our store is open on our website. We do not have ugly swag. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier. By visiting Chive Charities today, you can find them on our website. A power show of fun and woo tonight from the Conspiracy Theory podcast. Chris Holm is going to join us momentarily. Then it's a jam-packed show in hour number three, starting off with Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Robin Haynes will be here for the Cryptid Report. It's Dave 101 night. Might have something to do with David Grush. And... The strange news of the week. Oh, it's going to be good. Going to be very good. Chris Holm is the host of the Conspira Theory podcast, which covers such topics as the paranormal, skeptical insights, fandom, and hot topic comedy. Chris will also discuss tonight what got him interested in these topics. Well, let's just say he's had his own UFO sightings. He's had his own paranormal and ghostly encounters. His personal experiences have led him 
to trying to figure out how this has affected not only his life, but his life moving forward. And Chris is a longtime fan of this show. He has also appeared at both of our fan parties in Las Vegas, and we're hoping he's going to join us again in Reno in 2024, May 10th through 12th. Chris Holm, it is a pleasure to finally have you on as a guest on Spaced Out Radio. How you doing, my man? It's doing fantastic, Dave. Good to finally talk to you. It is good to Again, finally talk to you. It's been too long. It has. It has, my man. And and let me tell you, let me tell you, you know, a show like this cannot build without people like you supporting it every way you can. And and the fact that we get to have you on as a guest now and, and kind of find out a little bit more about your experiences, that's what makes this fun, my friend. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, so much to talk about, so much to talk about. So where should we start? There's so much to cover. Well, I mean, you got a little bit of a rundown. I mean, you've seen UFOs. You've had experiences with them. You've had experiences with ghosts. You're an incredible artist who has helped out people like R. Keith Andrews in his books, you know, uh, trying to put things together. And if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know who R. Keith Andrews is, the, literally the conductor of the Wu trade. And, you know, he'll be our next guest on this show as well. But how did it all get started, Chris? Were you a kid when this happened or were you, were you a young man when it started? Well, let's, let's talk about my first encounter, so to speak, quote unquote encounter. It was a, um, I've been a long, I guess, student of the paranormal for quite some time. I remember when I was young, I would record, um, episodes of sightings from uh on betamax off the sci-fi channel and all of their alien abduction uh the the documentaries and stuff i just couldn't get enough (laughs) even to the point that that my mother would have to step in and say don't get too much into that you'll give yourself nightmares (laughs) she would tell me that and then so i had to be careful with it and then the thing is is that you know, I had understood like the basic, the bare bones of the paranormal, but that, you know, that didn't stop me from having experiences. The most crucial experience that I would say that I had was a sleep paralysis experience. And the thing is, I understood what sleep paralysis was, but when you're in the experience, it's sort of, you're, you're sort of shifted out of reality, so to speak. It's sort of like being, no matter how much you study, the second that you're put on the spot, you, you just go blank. Wow, and that's sort of that's sort of what happened to me was where I was lying in my bed, and then I was just I just I just felt this rush come over me like the like like as if someone took a took a vial full of spear and just stuck it into your veins and just you could just feel it go through your body, and I felt myself going into the paralysis. Now I understood what sleep paralysis was. I, I knew all about it but when you're in the moment all you can all you understand and feel is this paralyzing fear and i just could not move but my eyes could move and then i was looking into the corner of my room where my door was and the door opened and in walked were these two entities and then they proceeded to go through my things they proceeded to open my closet doors and and dresser drawers and just go through go through my stuff like they were looking for something one of them would would turn and look at me to make sure that i wasn't moving you know as if checking up on me and then and then they would go about their their business going through my things through my personals for some reason 
and then they would open up doors and closets into walls that didn't have doors and closets. Now, that's the weird thing. Like they were opening dimensional pockets or something and, and going through closet refuse in there. And then as I felt myself start to regain control, they slowly slandered, saundered their way on out. Now, I have two layers of security. I have deadbolts and I have um, electronic security. So there's no way for them to have gotten in or out without triggering or having to unlatch or having to unbolt something. And, you know, and that was just a, a harrowing experience. So from then moving on forward, I've always had a layer, a level of empathy when dealing with people who've had, you know, uh, alien abduction experiences in particular, where they feel the paralyzing fear, the presence right in front of them, the just going through it all. You know, I, I mean, my experiences wasn't exactly the same, but I can understand, you know, going through that, what they must have been been like. So that, I feel, gives me a, a level of relatability that, that when I do reach out to these people and, and try to, you know, at least hear them out. Of course, the strangest thing is that these entities weren't aliens or monsters or or they, they, were, they were rather monstrous, but they... Now, this is where I think I lose some people. They appeared to be more like, I guess, what we would call colloquially white trash. They they look like disheveled hillbillies. Oh, my. One was rather tall and rotund, very rotund. He had uh, black shorts and a black shirt, and his shirt was so tight that his belly was hanging out. And he had fiery red hair and a, and a, and a trucker cap. And the, and the other one had a trucker cap as well, except he had long bushly hair and a, and a really distinct bushly mustache and, and, and a sort of stern, weathered face. And every, every now and then, he was the one who would turn and look at me to make sure that I didn't move. And he had on a plaid, like, overshirt. And I know that a lot of people, they get into, they hear that, oh, it was a plaid man. It was a man of plaid or something of that nature because that's one of the tropes of the paranormal. However, this guy, his plaid jacket wasn't red and black. It was blue and green. And and he just and the rest was just, you know, regular t-shirt and jeans, and he was very short and hunched over. You know, sort of sort of like a like like broken looking. And and you know, I mean it's probably easy to laugh at it, but it was for me. It was a terrifying presence. I want to ask you a couple questions about this, Chris, because you know I think where I'm not. I, I don't want to use the term that you lost me, but you're having an out of body experience. Well, I was in my body. That's the problem. Oh, oh, I was trapped me. in my body. Sorry, <laughs> you're trapped in your body, and you're all of a sudden seeing a bunch of hillbillies, you know, uh, banjo playing kind of guys you know, right out of uh, certain movies, you know, searching through your house and opening up portals and everything. How did you know that you were awake? How did you know that this was a real experience and not just some nightmare that you were having? I, well, I sort of, I knew it had to have been the, the sleep paralysis 
And because that's 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 just what I understood what it was. I, I figured I was having some kind of hypnagogic uh, or hypnopobic, whatever it is that they like to call it. I knew it was that because, you know, it, it's just I really had no other explanation. Also, when I checked everything, nothing was messed with. There was nothing shifted. Nothing was left open. You know, it was just the the imprint of the experience. And then that, you know. So I, I really couldn't quite, you know, put my finger on it as as it being quote unquote real. But it was definitely unreal, the experience itself that I had gone through. I can understand that. How fearful were you while this was going on? What was going through your mind while you're watching this happen and you cannot move? I would say it's the generalized, you know, paralyzing fear that anyone would have in a similar situation. But there was a compounding fear on top of that. Like I could feel, you know, liquid fear coursing through my veins instead of blood. It was sort of like a paralyzing thing where it's, it's like it hits you on your nerves. If you've had sleep paralysis before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The sort of, you know, where your body is shutting down your uh, extremities for your protection so you don't act out your dreams. Except with this, my body was being shut down. I felt like an even weight. I didn't feel like a con- concentrated weight like some people have with where they'll feel a weight on their chest, so to speak. Because I understand that's a thing too, like with the the gray witch and such like that, where they'll have like a, 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 a like a entity centralized, you know, manifest on their chest and stuff. I didn't have that. Right. I just felt an even weight of like my my body's own weight, like holding itself down. Uh, no, and, and I can see that, and I can understand that. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know how I would react to that personally. I would have been terrified, absolutely terrified. I mean, did you think that these hillbillies were were screen memories of anything that was that was you know uh, coming on up? And for our radio audience, Chris has posted a picture on our YouTube channel about kind of what these shadow beings and these hillbillies look for or look like but did you did you feel that they were maybe screen memories to ease your mind and that maybe it was aliens or it was something a little bit more nefarious if it was if it was some sort of you know external entity like wrapping itself in a skin like pulling the tropes from my mind yeah i accept that possibility you know, I mean, I don't know what it is that they wanted. You know, I mean, all I at the time, at the time, all I had was just you know uh, markers and and erasers and and sketch pads and stuff like that, just just strewn about my place. And and if they're going through my knickknacks, you know, I mean, getting my little collectible, you know, figurine stuff like that and running away with those, I I don't know what value that would be to them because that would be all that I had accumulated at that time. But I think it was sort of like, you know, I guess some people, if we were to take it on a more existential level, they were probably, you know, searching through the, like the, the, cat, the, the hidden valleys of my psyche, so to speak. If you want to take it there, I mean, I can accept that possibility. I, I don't know if, if I would put that. I would just put it off as, you know, this was probably just a one and done experience. I probably felt the presence of these 
individuals before in in later sleep paralysis episodes, but it's nothing where I had my eyes open that I could witness them. This was probably the first and only time that I witnessed the entities per se. And I've, I've felt, you know, I've, you know, the thing is with sleep paralysis, there's a thing where when you get like, if you can manage your stress and diet and stuff like that, you can pretty much avoid it. But I think with me, I would start to feel it come on and then I was able to will myself out of it. There's like a little technique where if you just like wiggle the tip of your finger and then the synapses in in your body will reconnect and, and you can like, you know, pull yourself out of it, so so to speak. And I've been using that technique ever since if I ever feel anything coming on. Now, had this happened again since then? Um, maybe like, like a, a few times where I felt present to presenteeism, but other than that, I really can't say I've encountered these individuals again. Hmm. So yeah. where do you think they went? I don't know. They just went out the door and, and disappeared into fat air. <laughs> Wherever it is they went, they went home to the trailer park in the sky, so to speak. I mean, whatever, just so long as I'm not dealing with them, that's all that I care about. (laughs) I mean, for a lot of people listening, they're probably like, what kind of mushrooms were you on? And that is the logical question that a lot of people will have regarding this experience. Unless you have had something extremely traumatically strange happen to you. You're not going to understand I've, this feeling. I've had mushrooms before, and they didn't do that. But I'll say is that as far as some deep psychological thing, I just cannot for the life of me figure it out. I mean, there's there's a general fear of, you know, the stranger, so to speak. And maybe these creatures were representatives of that, of the so-called stranger or, or you know, unknown person that you know that if we ever encounter in life where you know puts us on a on a fight or flight you know uh, te- uh algorithm so to speak where where we don't know what it is that we're dealing with exactly until we do know and and then and then we deal with it so to speak but it's sort of i just i just guess it was just a generalized you know just because I think we're all sort of brought up to, you know, to fear strangers and stuff like that nature. So maybe this could have been a manifestation of that. I was also, you know, under a lot of stress, you know, at the time from just work and stuff and life. And, and as my life has generally improved, I don't know that I've had experiences like these before. I mean, there are instances where you can so much work yourself up into a frenzy you know, like if you get too down the rabbit hole, you can easily work yourself up into a frenzy. And I've long tried to avoid that when I feel myself getting in a bit too deep in these, you know, uh, experiences, so to speak. Chris Holm is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. He's the host of the Conspiracy Theory podcast. And Chris, we got about five minutes to go before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour here. And for you, having this sleep paralysis did you think at all demons did you think at all something from hell was trying to rage into your soul 
No, because it was like the initial intrusion, I think, was the the harrowing experience was the sense of intrusion. Other than that, I I don't know. I don't I don't think I've ever been felt you know accosted by any kind of demonic force or any type of oppressive entity or negative whatever. Okay, what have you? I I haven't felt that. I I, I guess this was. I guess as I could best explain it, a sort of one and done type of thing. Oh, and it's something that I don't want done. It is. Yeah. No. What is it like, though, when you are trying to move and you can't? Your arms aren't working. Your fingers and legs aren't working. Your torso isn't moving. And all you have is control. Like, did you have control of your mouth? Could you talk? I had control of my of my eyes, but I guess everything is like you try to move your arm, but the connection just isn't turning on. The connection isn't snapping. Like the signal's just not going there, and everything, your entire being feels like dead weight. That's just how I, I can best describe it. If If I'm like, you know, if I could, you know, uh, spell it out as best I can for yourself in the audience. It's just sort of like a, like everything just feels dead. Like there's no signals going to it. Even if you try to will yourself to it, that's why a lot of people describe it as, you know, I had to quote unquote, will myself out of it because you have to sort of, you know, force yourself psychologically to make those synapse connections. So that way everything can light up again. Right. And, and then, and then finally move. How, now, a lot of times when we have an experience, it seems to go forever. But in reality, it's only maybe 5, 10, 15 seconds. How long did this last for you? I'd say about, it was very short. I'd say about like maybe maybe at most 15, maybe at least five minutes. You know, just just looking around, going about doing the, about their thing. Plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up, and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at servicetitan.com. That's servicetitan.com. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm David Moss with Moss Nissan. When it comes to servicing your vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. You'll notice the difference the moment you walk through our door. Our team is like family, and we look forward to treating you like part of our family. With our state-of-the-art service facility, factory-trained technicians, we are more equipped to service all make and models. Plus, with our extended service hours, our pick-up-and-drop-off service, you can have your vehicle serviced according to your schedule, not ours. Experience the Moss difference today. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. Because they, they were pretty thorough. You know, they, they would like, you know, because I had like a, 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 a walk-in closet and they would open the door to that. And then when they would open the interdimensional closets, which was like a sliding door closet, they would go through that as well. You know, just, you know, like put coats and, and stuff like that aside and then look around and then, and then, every now and then check to make sure that I'm not moving. And then, you know, and then once they were done or satisfied, or I guess I started to feel the connections start, I felt the synapses 
start to reconnect that I could move. And that's when I think they were alerted and left. Because as I was started to feel, you know, what as myself start to get up, so to speak, or at least have the ability that I could get up, then it was like, okay, then they, they showed themselves out, you know, ironically seconds before I made that final connection that I could move. So I couldn't even chase them out because by the time I did get up, they were reasonably long gone. Were you, were you calling for God in your mind? Were you calling for any sort of help, even though you knew nothing would hear you or nobody would hear you? In the moment, I really wasn't thinking of of calling out or, or summoning any type of external anything. I was just so in the moment, all I could think of was I had to move. That's it. That's all that my focus was on is that I, I have to move my arm or I, I have to get up. That was the only thought that was going through my head. Nothing else seemed to to register. I really can't explain it to you. It's just, it's just, it's sort of like like you know, you you stub your toe. Nothing in the world matters except you know what you're going to do with that the pain in your toe right now. That's that's sort of what it is. You're in the moment. I hear you there, my man. I hear you there, Chris. We only got about 20 seconds left, so I'm going to get you to hold on right there. The one thing I yep. love about shows like this is getting that that first initial feeling of what it's like to go through a strange experience. We all, for the majority of us, have had a strange experience in our life. Very few actually take the time to break it on down, to research it, and go in-depth. And that's why we're really proud to have, from the Conspira Theory podcast, Chris Holm here with us. He's had paranormal experiences, supernatural experiences, UFO sightings. We're going to get to them all when we return. And if they're anything like that first half hour, we're going to have our minds blown tonight. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Good start, buddy. Strong start. Mm. All right, let's say hello to Rich, buddy. How you doing? And who else has popped in here? Oh, let's see here. Uh, bag those questions for hour two. Yeah, the sleep paralysis thing and and an, a near death experience are the two things I do not want. Hi, Josh. How you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is something else. I I, I get you. I don't think anybody wants that. So that's why whenever I I do bring it up, I tell you how I got out of it. How I can get out of the popular methods to get out of it, which is the the wiggle your finger method, or it's either wiggle your finger or wiggle your toe. You got to wiggle something, and then everything starts to reconnect like Legos, clickety clack, and then up oh, you can move again. And usually, once you start to move, sometimes whatever it is is up there usually gets scared away because it's like, oh no. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Man, I've seen some wacky stuff in my day, but 
That is just something I do not want. Yeah. A friend of mine said it's, it sounds like he got abducted by the people of Walmart. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's no. <laughs> that's the worst abduction to have ever. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Someone brought up mushrooms in the chat. I don't know if we'll be able to get to my mushroom story. But I do have a mushroom story. Oh, well, we'll try and get to that. We will try and get to that. We will try and do that. All right, let's see. Monica, how are you? And sweet Susie B with a nice super chat. And let's mark that down. Susie's going to be at Reno for May 10th through 12th, our third annual fan party. Susie B, the question is, what is she going to drop this year? What what kind of jacket is she going to make? Warden Dragon, how are you? Applesauce, thank you for joining us. Mr. Cowley, welcome back to the show. Oh, Mr. Cowley, loves his spaced out radio. That's all I got. That's all I got. Still hot down there? Uh, we have a little cold front coming in, so it's like. Don't even say uh, it. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. What, 60 degrees? Uh, like 55 Fahrenheit. Oh, that's T-shirt weather. Well, we had like, I think the coldest it got was like 40. Once again, T-shirt weather. Yeah, I, I hear you. When it starts getting to like the the 30s and stuff, then we start panicking. We had our first snowfall last night. Now, thank God it warmed up and melted away. But I woke up this morning to snow. And I still wore my Crocs out to walk my kid in the snow to his bus stop. Hmm. My feet were freezing. 61 degrees. Oh, T-shirt and shorts weather. Yeah, sometimes we get, like, snow every now and then. It's, it's happened a lot more recently. It's not the event that it used to be, but at least once a year we'll get one day of snow. Mm. I will admit, I love the snow up until January, February. But come March, April, and into early May, when you still see snow, you, you want to swear a lot. You hmm. really do. I remember going to, uh, was it Rochester, New York, earlier this year in February? Yeah. During the, the on-record coldest day there. Yeah. It was like negative 19 or something like that. 
Hold on, buddy. Super cold. Hold on, buddy. Here we go. Gizmo, Susie, thank you for the super chats. Here we go, everyone. We have the second half hour underway of Spaced Out Radio. Chris Holmes is going to get into some UFO stuff here momentarily. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate you coming on in and hanging on out with us. Reminder to all of you that all of our archives are free. You could join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. We're on every major podcast network, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and so much more. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club by heading on over to Patreon. All right, we continue on with the great personal stories of Chris Holm. He is the podcaster and host of Conspiracy a Theory Podcast. He's seen UFOs. He has seen ghosts. He's experienced the paranormal and supernatural, and he's here to tell us about it tonight. Chris, thank you so much for joining us because you rocked me in that first half hour talking <laughs> about the the uh, sleep paralysis and waking up. Let's get into the UFO side now. How old were you when you saw your first UFO? Uh, probably still in my forties. <laughs> it was recently, it was recently, um, a, a, a friend who was an experiencer that I had interviewed on my show, he had built a sky deck, uh, on the back of his property and he would, you know, invite his buddies over and we just sit there and we, you know, you know, just watch for, watch the skies. And he had these, these high end, um, Russian night vision goggles where you could see everything you know i mean plumbing hvac and electrical contractors on service titan put up big numbers how big in their first two years on service titan contractors typically see a 17 percent increase in revenue a nine percent increase in average ticket size and a 10 percent increase in call booking rates they also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites add it all up and the answer is clear when solving for profitability productivity and growth service titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you learn more today at service titan.com that's service titan.com individual results may vary when it comes to buying a pre-owned vehicle moss nissan is simply the best with one of the largest selections of pre-owned vehicles in the tampa bay area we have options for every situation and budget and every vehicle comes equipped with moss care which gives you added peace of mind and features and benefits such as lifetime oil changes roadside assistance and so much more business today let one of our knowledgeable team members give you all the information you need to make an informed car buying decision moss nissan whatever it takes everything yeah and i was looking up in in the sky one time and and i saw this pattern of three lights and it looked like they were inner circling in a triangular pattern and i thought oh that's so neat and there was something profound about the experience that i didn't share it with my friend which you know if i had he probably would have done a backflip even if he is in his 60s <laughs> you know it or, or I'm, sorry, I'm sorry 70s he still would have done a backflip <laughs> and the thing is is that it, it felt so personal 
that I just I just kept it to myself, and then I realized, wait a minute, I I gotta I gotta share this with people. I gotta talk about it. So it it was a sort of um, I guess I probably maybe I saw uh, uh, what people like to describe as a TR three B because it was so high and the and it was it, it must have been black against the black of the night. I couldn't see any stars in between the lights that I could see. But it looked like it was just three lights just intercircling in, in a triangular pattern. I presume it could have been a a you know like the the bottom of a of a craft. It's lights you know uh, going through a, a rhythm of some sorts, you know, and it just kept going on and it just stood there. It just stayed stagnant in that one space. You know, it could have been there all night, but I looked at it up there for like. Just a just a few moments, and and I just you know I took it in and I just stared at it, and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I never thought to document it or to 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 write it down or take a picture or even if I knew how to take a picture through the goggles, it that was beyond me, beyond my capabilities. But you know, it's it's just I was just I was just taking in the moment. Hmm. Okay, so what did this TR3B black triangle look like? Was it typical of what we saw? I couldn't see the outline or the shape because of the darkness, and it was contracted against the dark. Even if I did have the light vision goggles, there was just no uh, ambient um, ambient light up there for it to reflect because it was against the night sky. So all I saw was the the little lights going back and forth, or they weren't going; they were going like in a pattern, in like circular, like a like a little pattern, but not in a circle. The shape was um, triangular, like there were three lights, and you know, one would turn on, then the next would turn on, then the next would turn on. It's sort of like a pattern like that, like what we see with our LED displays and stuff yeah. of that nature. It would just do that. And I was just doing that over and over in a triangular pattern. How long did you watch That's, it for? I probably watched it for like a good, you know, two, two, three minutes. And I'm like, wow, that that's impressive. And I just kept looking at it, you know, trying to figure out what it was, you know. I, to this day, I, I still have no answers. I want to ask you, okay, for people who have never seen a UFO before, what is that feeling like for you? And explain what goes through your head when you have this unlikely encounter. Um, well, at the time, nothing was really going through my head because I was just taking it in. But then I have read and, and heard about this stuff. I've talked to so many people that have had their experiences and it's one of those things that when you finally see it, you're just stuck in it. It's like you're just stuck in the moment of the awe. I guess they call it the Oz effect or whatever, where you're just stuck in this moment of awe and, and inspiration and you really can't, you know, do anything else. Like I was using the analogy with stubbing your toe. All you're thinking about is just that moment with here you know, again, it was sort of one of those things where I was just stuck in that moment. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know else. I mean, it just, even even if I had come to my senses, like, oh, I got to document this, write it down, get evidence, take a stool sample from it, 
when, however I'm going to do that, I don't know, take a step stool or something and, and then just, you know, snag a sample of, of something of that nature. I, I don't, none of that. It was just, oh, there's something. And then just experience it. And then it's like, okay, you know, I, I've had enough, you know. I mean, you know, I had to, you know, pull myself away from the experience because once I saw it and looked at it, there really wasn't much else I could do except just stare at it some more. So it, it's just, you know, it, it's just like, well, I've I, I seen it. Okay, I guess I've seen it now. You know, that's it. Time to move on. <laughs> Time to move on with life. Yeah, I mean, were you? I mean, you're a pretty laid back guy, from what I know of Somewhat. you. From what I know of you, you don't get too high, you don't get too low. I mean, how do you, how do you keep your your focus and and your your attributes when you see something like this? I mean, I would have been flipping out in both a good way and a weird way as well. Weird way being like, oh, my God, like, they're here. Are they here to take me? What's going on? Like, uh, the possibilities. Well, I probably because I haven't had the the plethora of experiences that you've had, so that back category, that baggage, isn't something that I'm caring about. Instead, it's more like, oh, that's a thing. That's neat. And then move on. I I really, you know, I mean it's when you see something, it's like, it's sort of like a magical moment, like seeing a comet or a meteor or, or, you know, like seeing snow for the first time or, or, you know, like teaching your kid how to tie his shoes and then he gets it. That sort of magical moment. It's like, Oh, something connected, something clicked. That's how I could best categorize it as something like that, where it's just a life experience that just happens. And then that's all, all you know, that, that's all that I can take away from it. I really can't take any more from it. I can't go back there and experience it again. All I have is just the memory of it, and I just carry it with me. That's sort of like a treasured memory. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's just, for me, it's a fun thing. But I can understand from some people's perspective that I have probably had more harrowing experiences, that it could be fear-inducing or, or traumatic or somehow, you know, uh, put them in a place that would make them uncomfortable. And I guess because I didn't have that, I was able to walk away with the experience that I did have and, and, you know, sort of treasure it and make it one of those positive experiences that I look forward to in, in this community. Have being a part of this community and having your own conspiracy theory podcast, does it make it easier to try and find the answers that you were looking to, towards what you saw? Or is it something where it's actually a little bit more confusing considering that many people have seen the same thing, but it's oddly different compared to what maybe others have seen? From all the conversations that I've had, Everything that's just left up to is more and more speculation. All that's happened is we've just gotten better with our speculation. Um, as far as capturing the answers and stuff like this, I, I really don't see that happening because so much of it is not only physically out of our reach, but in some cases, you know, emotionally out of our reach, so to speak. It's very hard to grasp. I mean, like, let, let's take Bigfoot, trying to prove Bigfoot. In order to do that, there's a, like a, a, a large 
there's so many prerequisites that have to be met before we can even get in the camp of g- even getting near Bigfoot. There's there's such a a, a high level of of stuff that you have to do. You got to go deep in the woods, and then you got to go deep in the non so not so transverse woods. You know, if, if you're going to go, you know, really deep. And then, and then you gotta, you know, wait for one to either walk by or find some means of tracking them or something of that nature. There's all these, you know, things that you have to do. You know, just it's just so difficult to do. And the same thing with any other paranormal venue. I mean, even though, like, like I guess that's why I sort of like to stick on on my end, where you know, I guess as you said, lay back. I'm I'm sort of more of a, I say I just I don't try to induce experiences. I try to talk to people that have had them and then try to, you know, suck out as many details as I can. Because up, as far as I know, I've never encountered an alien. But I know people who have, yourself and the various other people that I've spoken to and have met in this community. And all, all I can do is just, you know, pick their brains as best as I can, you know. When I do my recreation artwork, it's not just it's the only way sometimes that I can literally step into a person's shoes and see something through their eyes, plug into their brains as best as I can, you know, just get out all the delicious details that I can and then try to recreate it. I mean, yeah, I'm doing it for them, but also part of it is I'm doing it for myself because I want to know what the heck happened. I want to understand the experience and, that's the only way that I know how to step into it. You know, it, it's just, you know, so much is going on and there are so many moving parts to it. I understand how some people, they, they really want to take something, put it in a box and figure it out. And it's like, okay, I get it. I, I understand from a skeptical point, you know, why we need these various checks and balances. And, and I understand that. And sometimes the skeptical side gets to be a bit too, um, hyperbolic or or stuck on itself where it becomes less skeptical. Plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at ServiceTitan.com. That's ServiceTitan.com. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm David Moss with Moss Nissan. When it comes to servicing your vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. You'll notice the difference the moment you walk through our door. Our team is like family, and we look forward to treating you like part of our family. With our state-of-the-art service facility, factory-trained technicians, we are more equipped to service all make and models. Plus, with our extended service hours, our pick-up and drop-off service, you can have your vehicle serviced according to your schedule, not ours. Experience the Moss difference today. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. And more cynical. And I'm more of the, well, I have nothing against critical thinking and critically you know, going up this stuff, but there's a fine line where it becomes questioning and it becomes cynical. And I try to deal with that. Like if you've listened to my show, when I interview someone and we discuss uh, a, a topic, I try not to be accusatory i try to say instead of you know well well you know there's you know you're you're lying i'll never say that to a person i'll say something like well the criticism is this and then i'll ask them to address that so that way it doesn't sound like i'm outright accusing them i just want to 
get more of an understanding of how something works and I need it from every single perspective as I can, you know, just to, just to get it all together. You know, it, it's, it's just a, there, there's so much going on and, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I try to know when to have kid gloves and when not to have kid gloves because sometimes you got to be stern. I mean, there's been a couple of times where, you know, some people have tried to, you know, uh, how can I say this friendly for broadcast, uh, uh, talk trash, get thrashed <laughs> type of thing. And I've had to, you know, because I'm not a, I'm not afraid to be confrontational. And a few individuals have, you know, coaxed a confrontation out of me. And I'm not afraid to, to talk to them, you know, face to face. Because so many people say, you know, with this online drama, sometimes, oh, you wouldn't say that to my face. Well, yes, I, I would. And the thing is, is that, you know, and some people, you know, you just got to, you just got to talk to them. And some people, they, they simply they're they're stuck on their own path and sometimes things just aren't going to work out the the way that we want to and it's okay to go our separate way sometimes you know some people just have personality types and they're trying to get something out of this that may not be along our our path of thinking and sometimes you got to know when to recognize that and how to react to it you know because i'm pretty sure i'm up for criticism on various accounts and you know i have to learn how best to deal with that in the moment when I come across it. And that, that goes for everyone else. Cause we've all known people that have, once they, they put themselves out there or they hang their coat on something and then there's like a level of criticism and then they just flip out. And next thing you know, they're, they're a meme. They're, they're made fun of on the internet and dragged through the mud because of their, their reaction to it. You bring up a very good point because you know, the UFO community has, over the last few years, had a lot of questions on whether or not it's been infiltrated by, lack of a better term, government agents or agencies who have put these podcasts out there to try and, you know, mess with people and and to try and... and you know, make people feel like they're stupid for having an experience or, or like you said, calling people liars when all they want to do is tell their story. I mean, do you think this is something possible that is going on right now to try and, you know, kill this topic on a social media level? Well, yes, I absolutely do think it's happening. But the thing is, it's is, is the government sponsoring it? I don't know that. I don't have a definitive answer. I wouldn't even know where to find that answer. But the thing is, I what I do understand about human nature is people will do almost anything for free just to get a rise. The 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 we call it the 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 ballad of the troll, so to speak. You can never underestimate the depths to which a troll will sink. And I know I myself have in my past been a troll and I have seen, you know, people out there do trolling and stuff. I, I get it. It's an art form. I respect it. But the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, for some people, you know, they don't need to be paid by the government. They don't need to be coerced by the government. They don't need to be led. They just need to know that there's an outlet for them to to stick a dagger into a, a movement or whatever it is and get something out of it. They, they somehow know how to squeeze blood from that stone for, for a means and they'll, you know, do anything to do it. And, and as far as that, that, you know, um, 
out there type of interference, you know, it doesn't need government sponsorship, but that doesn't mean that, you know, there is a possibility that maybe there is some government venues that are probably doing that. I don't doubt it. You know, I mean, you know, some people like to joke, you know, it's like, Oh, all our, our politicians are, you know, uh, lizard skin people who, who, you know, eat people. And it's like, well, some of the ones that I've seen, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that were true, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, you know, it's like, Hey, I don't doubt it. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's sort of, a, it, you know, I, I find it amusing, but it's sort of a thing where on, on our end, you know, those who are probably a bit more positive and accepting. And, and I, and I noticed that you're a very positive and accepting person. Thank you. And some people would argue the criticism is that it's probably to a fault sometimes where it ends up hurting you. Oh yes. See, I've heard that. that. that yeah. See, you notice how I use that, that interview technique where I said, you know, the criticism is instead of saying you Dave. Well, yeah. you, you know what? Some of the, some of the, big, <laughs> some of the biggest things that I've got is apparently I don't ask tough enough questions because in my years of journalism, I've learned that I don't need to stick a finger in someone's face and pose a question on a offensive level. Okay. Where I can sit back and correlate that question, that same question in an extremely friendly manner to get a better answer. Well, there is a such thing as a time and place. Um, I see my show as relatively basic entry level. Um, if, if there, if there is a time and place in a more advanced interview, if I can ask, cause I can understand those hard questions. I have nothing against them. It's just, there's, there's a means of, of getting them answered and, and dealing with them that I, that I think, you know, we can best conduct ourselves with. It's called having tact. And I know that like a lot of people like, like to get on that and it's sort of the, you know, it's just how you, you, you conduct yourself and how we, we get all that taken care of. Cause there's a lot of drama out there and so much of it is needless. If someone would just say, you know, like, Oh, you don't believe my story. It's like, okay, F you and then move on, you know, but for some reason, some people, they, they, they beat themselves up over it and almost destroy themselves, you know, to try to appease someone who's clearly, you know, just acting out against them in pure malice. I mean, yeah, there is some point as, as it, on principle, as an artist, I went through, you know, high school art programs. I went to college for art. I've received, you know, quite a bit of academic training. And the thing about feedback is, is you use it to improve. So when I, in my early in my art career, I would enter in a contest and stuff like that. Cause I th th thrived off of feedback. I thrived off of this stuff because it made me better skill wise and, and talent. Cause I had the talent, but I just, I still needed to develop my skill. And even though people can say, yeah, Chris, you're a good artist. Yeah. I do accept that I'm a good artist, but there's still that I could be better that's nagging at me. And I keep pushing myself to do that. And, and I think we all feel that in some way that, that whatever it, it is that our venue of, of, of life is that we deal with that. And for some people, the, the criticism can be, you know, it, it really gets to them. 
I want to ask. And, I want to ask this question. Sorry for cutting you off there, because we only have two minutes left. But Ian brings up a good point. I mean, there's a lot of people in this community that don't trust the government people, like Rick Doty or Luis Elizondo. They think they're here to troll the community, to play games and and uh, tease with answers that never come. What, what's your opinion on on people like that? Um, I'm not favorable. And I do understand the criticism, the negative criticism lobbed at them. But at the same time, you know, it, it's like they're in a unique position that they probably could do that. And I guess that's where the conspiracy comes in. It was like, well, where they appointed, so to speak. And I do understand that. And I try to take it out there. But at the same time, you know, it, it's like if you want to combat that, then, you know, the only way to do that is to either have a better presentation or pre- present better evidence or just have a better talking point. I mean, the spirit of debate has been lost in this country. And unfortunately, I hate to get all social, you know, uh, commentary on you, but it's just the very spirit of debate of having two people of opposing views coming into a, a moderated um, conversation and then hashing it out. We simply don't do that anymore. It's something that you just do not see. It's usually everything is either curated to a specific audience simply to get the most out of that audience, and they're just doing their thing. I mean, yeah, what I would love to see these people answer a lot of the criticism that they have lobbed at them, but sometimes it's used as, as a means of, you know, uh, you know, reinforcing the, the morale of the troops, so to speak. It's like, oh, these people spoke out against me. Therefore, we have to buy more of my books to prove them wrong. And it becomes a selling point, unfortunately. I mean, I've seen the criticism, good and bad, lobbed at many of these individuals and many more. And I've seen people that I've been following for years, you know, have to, you know, shill for a lot of what we we considered unscrupulous individuals. Oh, yeah. And some part of it is like, well, yeah, you got to keep the lights on. I do understand that. But, you know, and, and I do still like have like a lot of respect for people out there, even though some of them have had to put themselves in compromising positions. Let's continue that conversation from the podcast. Conspiracy Theory host Chris Holm is with us. We're going to get into his paranormal stories. We're going to take some of your questions as well. Big conversation happening right here on the UFO front. We're having a good time. Hope you are, too. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Strong show so far, Chris. Very strong show. Thank you. Yeah, I tried to tried to skirt that issue as best I could, <laughs> out of out of res, out of respect for you. Oh, because I understand the position that you're put in sometimes. Well, we can get into it. I mean, we all are. I don't mind getting into it. The we if you want it, well, let's kick off hour two with it. Let's get into it. I don't mind. Yeah, well, I I think I pretty much said like what I, what it is that I that I've had to say about it. Okay, but if you want to get get more into it, just to wrap things up, just to put a nice cherry on top, I, I'd I'd be happy to do that. All right, let's um, do that. I'm going to step away for a minute, uh, Chris. You want to be in the room and chat with the audience, or do you want to go in the green room? Yeah, yeah, I'll be on the room, but I'm I gotta take care of myself as well. But I'll be back right away. I'm just going right. to mute and stop my mic.
Hey guys, how's it going? Dave's gone, so that means pineapples in the chat. I don't know if he likes pineapples on pizza, but we're going to go with that. Pineapples in the chat. <laughs> hey, Kira. Let's see. Uh, question, Rockford Scanner. What is your most memorable paranormal experience that you have not told anyone before? I think I've told them all. I think I've I've told them all. I really can't think of any. <laughs> there we go, pineapples. <laughs> Uh, he's going to be so freaked when he comes on. What are all those pineapples in the chat? Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Man, I've been parched. Before I came on, I actually like this this early this or last night I broke my chair the the back on it the back support broke and snapped off so I had to like run like like heck all this morning and find a new chair and I got this cool mesh one which is really cool it's like a high high back one <laughs> and then I was like you know working on it getting it all together and then I had to at the last minute it's like one screw one or two screws really got stuff so I had to get the WD-40 spray it on there and just tighten those screws up I probably <laughs> broke the thing too but hey it's still together for now <laughs> uh, uh, quick point here hi hello little Timmy Senor welcome to the chat room and uh, Human Carl, no, we don't need to be spreading vicious lies that I like breakfast for dinner. That is not true. What a heinous crime that is. Nina Williams, how are you? And um, who else do we have? Uh, Chris, did you answer the question from Rockford Scanner? Oh, um, um, I, I believe so. It's about like which one your paranormal experience, most memorable one that I have not shared. All yeah, right. I, I okay. don't think I have one. I think I've shared them all. All right, we got seven seconds. Thank you, Kira, Susie, and Gizmo for the super chats. And here we go, everybody. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. And unlike ugly rumors that are out there, no, I do not eat breakfast foods for dinner. It's a shame that people do that. Like human Carl in our chat room. Absolutely horrible that I would be accused of such heinous crimes like that. Wow. Hey, hello everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Pazagoni. Pazagoni is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night. 
right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club by heading on over to Patreon. All right, we continue on with our guest tonight, the host of the Conspiracy Theory Podcast. We have Chris Holm with us. And right before the break, we were talking about, you know, some of the debates uh, going on in the UFO world where a lot of people kind of take this a little too seriously. And the question was brought up by Ian in the UK. What about guys like government officials Rick Doty and Luis Elizondo? And Chris had stated that, you know, it does kind of piss him off that these guys come in. They they seem to play a bunch of uh, word uh, jumbles to, to say, hey, we're going to get closer, but we're not going to give you anything. And I understand that, Chris. I do understand that. But do you not think that we have to start somewhere to get the answers? Like, these guys can't break their NDAs. And they can't break their their word on the on the contracts that they've signed because for some it would mean going to Leavenworth for others it would mean uh, even worse problems than that I mean where do we start if we can't believe the guys who've come out well there's this old saying you know poo or get off the pot I mean if they can't say anything I understand that then get off the stage but the thing is is that we're calling these people whistleblowers but there's no risk to them so to speak uh, from as I understand it, unless it's there's something I just don't know. But as far as I know, I believe some of these guys have been cleared to discuss some of the stuff that they've they've you know claimed to have brought forth and have simply not brought forth, just tagging us along. And any you know upcoming specials or documentaries with them featured them is just filled with fluff. Um, I I do think is that you know, I mean. As far as the whole, you know, everyone's calling themselves a whistleblower, but again, they're obtaining like zero consequences of, of what it is they're doing. You know, they're, they're still able to show up at, at, you know, conventions and stuff and, you know, bring in a healthy paycheck for speaking fees and stuff of that nature. I don't know if that constitutes whistleblowing some stuff. And I, you know, I hate to echo the talking points of Steve Cabian, but I feel like he puts it up. He presents the argument as best as I could, better than I could, you know, and, and I think that there is a lot of criticism out there that I feel is very plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up, and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at servicetitan.com. That's servicetitan.com. Individual results may vary. When it comes to buying a pre-owned vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. With one of the largest selections of pre-owned vehicles in the Tampa Bay area, we have options for every situation and budget. And every vehicle comes equipped with Moss Care, which gives you added peace of mind and features and benefits such as lifetime oil changes, roadside assistance, and so much more. Visit today and let one of our knowledgeable team members give you all the information you need to make an informed car buying decision. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. Valid, you know, and these a lot of these talking heads, you know, and rather than addressing it, you know, it's just like, oh, these people are trolling me, you know, and, and it's sort of, you know, used as a cry to rally the troops, you know, like 
these people are trying to shut me down. I'm a whistleblower. The only way to combat it is to buy my book and pay for my, you know, plus size jacuzzi, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I, it, it does get rather laughable at some point, but at the same point, you know, as consumers, as an audience, we do have a right to choose who we back and stuff. And, and right now, I mean, stuff has, has gotten more, it, it, you, you can, people can have started their own podcasts and stuff like this, and they are able to support themselves. They're able to, to, you know, do what it is that they love and, and prosper at it. And the thing is just because some of these people, it seems like they have a leg up that they're the only voice that they're the loudest in the room. And that, that is true. But that doesn't mean that we, we as you no know, other uh, dissenting opinion can't exist because it is out there. We just got to seek it out and support it. One of the grievances that I often run into is that, you know, is the whole trying to be of more inclusive. And I try to, you know, seek out more, you know, what I diverse voices, you know, be they female or, or, or uh, persons of color. And I try to, you know, promote them and speak to them as, as most as I can. But the thing is, you, you also, you, you have to show up, you have to go out there, seek that stuff out and support it. You know, nothing's going to be handed to you. If you feel that there's something that that's, that these guys aren't quite right, yeah, voice that opinion. You know, be as as tactful as you can with it, and then support the opinion that you do trust and stuff like this. I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, talking about you know grifters and hoaxers and all that stuff. Like, but if they're spinning a good yarn, you know, then then you know, I, I really can't blame them for that. I mean, at sometimes I can understand the argument that it's rather unethical. But it's it's sort of a thing is is that you know we'll have to cross that road when we get to it. But I do feel like that you know we just have to be uh, more selective as an audience on what we subscribe to and support. See, the, um, see the the one thing that I would I, I agree. I think your comments are very strong. I really do. My thing is, I think we have wrapped up a lot of these so called grifters like Corey Good or David Wilcock with people who are trying to get the more serious side of the story out. I mean, look, I'm the first one to sit here and say, I don't believe in UAPs. I don't. I've said that many a time, right? I I have defined through listening and, and my own research that there's a huge difference between what the government calls UAPs and what UFOs are. UAPs, to me, are man-made, and that's what they are searching for, okay? They're not searching for UFOs. They're just covering the topic within their algorithm of trying to figure out who's spying on us and who's not. That being said, that being said, I do believe that it has to, the conversation has to start somewhere. And I personally am, would say that I am a supporter of Lou Elizondo. I wasn't at the beginning when he was with the To The Stars Academy. My mind changed. I believe uh, David Grush in what he's trying to do. And I think that we have to give them, and, and this is my opinion, I think we have to give them an opportunity to sink or swim. But the problem that we have in the UFO community is that we've been played for so long by government, by the media, as tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists, that we really do not expect or pardon me, we expect that when someone of that ilk to come out of the woodworks, we expect them to come out 
and give us the aliens, give us the photographs, give us the proof. And it's not happening. So I see the frustration of the UFO crowd when it comes to that as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're welcome to your $5. They're not getting mine. But it, 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 is, the, it is the thing, and I think you've, you've summed it up very well there, is that, yeah, uh, but the thing is we've been playing this, this game for 60-plus years now, maybe even 160 years if you count the, the airships of the 1800s. You know, it, it's been going on for so long, and I understand the frustration. And I, you know, I hate to get all philosophical, but sometimes I wonder – Maybe we're not meant to have these answers or, or something of that nature if we were to get all philosophical about it. But the thing is, is that I do feel that there is a definitive truth out there and that what's going on right now is a lot of word salad, word games that, that it's being played with us and it's usually done facetiously. I think that a lot of uh, the stuff that we get, it's so um, quote-unquote redacted and handled by third parties that you know, it, it's going to be near impossible for us to get a straight answer or definitive confirmation. I think it was uh, uh, Melinda Leslie said, you know, we, we, we don't want disclosure. We want confirmation. And I, I tend to agree with her on that. Is it that, you know, I want to see the bodies and stuff like this. If I need more presentation, smoke and mirrors or a guy doing backflip, I mean, you know, um, what is that one guy, the guy with the beard? Uh um, oh, there's some good beards out there. So, yeah, so. I know, I know the 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 martial arts dude. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I I don't really like him, but he 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 he's the definitive talking head now, you know. And I I just find the guy just Sean not quite the most. Cr- Who? Sean Kirkpatrick. No, 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 not him. The oh, the, Jeremy Corbell. Yeah, that's it. That's the guy. I mean, I like his boyish energy. You know, I expect him to fall over and a frog to fall out of his pocket, you know, but <laughs> I like his energy, but I just don't like, you know, the, 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 he brings too much baggage in my opinion. And, well, and I, and I totally know that on a one-on-one, he'd probably smear me, but it, it's just, it's just a sort of, you know, the, the criticism is yeah. there and I feel that it is valid. Right. Right. Well, I'm going to change topics here in in a couple of seconds here because I want to get to your paranormal stories, and we do yes, ha- and we do have some audience questions for you as well because we love our audience participation around here. So my my question to you is this, and it's probably going to be more of a commentary. You know, where do you draw the line on grifting? Because your time is money, my time is money. Everybody's time is or has value, whether it's monetary or whether it's of your own personal day. So I don't have a problem with somebody like Lou Elizondo or or David Grush coming up and saying, hey, if you want to interview me, it's three grand. I would never pay that. Okay, because to me, if I'm paying you three grand, you're going to be sitting in front of a thousand people telling your story at a conference. Radio interviews are different. I think they're using it as a scare tactic to to keep most of the podcasters and YouTubers away because the majority do not have the income coming in to afford that. 
But I look at Dr. Stephen Greer, who's charging $2,500 a person to learn how to con- uh, connect with aliens. Plus, he's got a, uh, a $70 app out there that you can download, plus, plus, plus. Or, like we mentioned, uh, you know, uh, David Wilcock or Corey Good, who, you know, Corey Good recently in the court of law basically said that everything that he did was made up. Okay, and we can thank uh, Steve Cambion, podcaster, for bringing that to light, right? So how do you define the grift when somebody's time is is valued compared to somebody who's trying to take advantage like other people have? Yeah, there there is something to be said along the lines of, um, you know, just like, how how much is there is, is the deceit is there you know i mean if someone's paying for an experience for an hour of someone's time then whatever that person feels that it's worth they set the price you know that's just the way it is i've noticed that there's an interesting experiencer to guru pipeline that that happens in this community a lot where once someone becomes an experiencer they do the rounds they do the circuit so to speak and then next thing you know there are gurus you know, charging however many for their time. And, you know, I mean, on, on principle, you know, I really can't be against that, you know, on the grounds that, that, that so long as they're not outright deceiving people, but at the same time, you know, it's like, you got to know what you're asking for. People have to do their research on that. If it's, it, it does get a point where it becomes, you know, downright unethical, where we have the people that are, like we've all read the stories about, you know, this family has been being extorted by a psychic that, that claimed that there's a curse on them and they have to pay them like a like an an exorbitant amount of money or their family's gonna be cursed forever. You know, that that's probably someone who's, you know, in a compromised emotional state being taken advantage of by a, a nefarious individual. Yeah, on in cases of those, absolutely I 100%. see where it is wrong. It is absolutely wrong in those cases, and that is downright unethical. I but agree. that is sort of a case by case basis, you know. I mean, I do feel like the the Corey Goodson stuff and the all these other people that have been exposed or have exposed themselves as hoaxes. I do feel that that, for archival purposes, isn't that their stories are important. That we plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up, and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at servicetitan.com. That's servicetitan.com. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm David Moss with Moss Nissan. When it comes to servicing your vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. You'll notice the difference the moment you walk through our door. Our team is like family, and we look forward to treating you like part of our family. With our state-of-the-art service facility, factory-trained technicians, we are more equipped to service all make and models. Plus, with our extended service hours, our pickup and drop-off service, you can have your vehicle serviced according to your schedule, not ours. Experience a Moss difference today. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. We need to have them for our cargo purposes so that way we can, you know, take a look at them and compare and contrast against anything new that's coming up that is rather similar. I mean, just because someone made something up doesn't mean that that other people aren't being abducted by aliens and stuff of that nature. 
you know, as as far as we know and as far as we've been able to prove, we don't know that that's definitive. And, it, and it's very, you know, difficult to put up. I mean, yeah, I understand the more another pattern that I've noticed with the uh, contactee movement is the more we learn about our natural world, the further the aliens come from. Before they were from Venus, then they're from Mars, then they're from, you know, uh, the 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 Cirrus galaxy, and then they're from the galaxy over, and and now they're from the dimension over. You know, as we learn more, it's like the the multiverse stuff, and I blame the Marvel movies for this. The multiverse stuff has become more acceptable because it's become more palatable. Great points, great points. Let, let us shift here, my friend. And let us go to your paranormal experiences because oh god, finally some fun stuff. You've seen (laughs) you've seen ghosts. You've you've had a number of experiences. What was it like seeing a ghost for the first time? Well, I'd say in my initial experience, I I just moved into a a new apartment and I felt presenteeism. And out of the corner of my eye, I would see the shape the the sort of darker than dark outline shape of what would be a little girl with her, her, her hair was sort of like out and waving, like, like as if she was underwater, as if they were snakes. And she would just walk through the um, hallways. And I just felt this, this presenteeism for like quite a while. You know, I, I got an illustration somewhere, but I don't have one ready. So sorry about that folks. But the thing is, is that, you know, and, and the odd thing is, this is a ghost that actually I scared off. And what happened was, you know, I was, we were talking uh, something on, on Facebook where people were talking about ghosts on Facebook. Then I clickety clacked on the keyboard like, Oh, I got a ghost. You know, this is what she is and this is what she does. And then when I, when I clicked send and then the person of course, you know, said, well, what you believe in ghosts, you know, you know, Oh, Peshaw. And then I felt this, this weight come off my shoulder. Like, like someone just like, like if, if someone gets exposed for the truth when they've been lying all the time, you feel that weight of the truth coming off of you or, or whatever. Yes. It's it's like that, that like, like, like I just felt this weight. And then that presenteeism, I didn't feel it anymore. It's like, but whatever it is, got up and went. I like to tell people like, oh, she just got tired of watching me play XCOM all day on the computer. I don't know. Yeah. So I think I bored a ghost to death. <laughs> really? Uh, that's one way to put it. I mean, here you're trying, you're getting an interaction from around the, uh, you know, the other side of life, and your Xbox is more important. Yep, pretty much. I mean, you know, it's like you get into the experience. It's like, well, what am I going to do? I can't sit there and stare at it, you know, 24 hours a day. I got to live the rest of my life. And then apparently it's just, you know, it, it's just there. And then. And then, you know, poof, it's gone. Hmm. So how many encounters have you had with ghosts and spirits? I really can't say. Sometimes, you know, I'll have that sense where you feel something and then you'll see something out of the corner of your eye. I don't know what to attribute that to. Could it be a, a latent fear response or, or oversensitivity, you know, to just my primal brain acting out. It could be something of that nature. Or or it could be, you know, I have little burger goblins running around my house, clickety-clackety on their clubbed feet. You know, I mean, who knows? 
I, I really don't know where to put it, and that's an answer that I don't have, which is probably why I keep talking to people on my show and, and talking to people like you about this and, and bringing it up into the community because I don't claim to have the answers as far as my perspective of what I think about it. You know, all I have is just what I've dealt with. And I can, you know, speculate on, on, on uh, with other people, you know, about it. But it's just, it, it's just, I, I'd have to round about and come to the like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, from my perspective, when you see something out of the corner of your eye, your first initial thought of what it is, is actually what it is. And, you know, whether it's a, the the ghost of a dog or the ghost of a person, you know, it's our mind that tries to find that logical answer to something illogical that it's seen, you know? So that is something that, that I have found out and had to figure out on my own as well, you know, going through my own paranormal experiences and learning from people who've had more experience than I have, you know, do you believe then that there is an afterlife out there? You know, I'm not talking religiously. I'm talking, you know, are there ghosts? Are there, is there a spiritual realm where, where there's still the un, the undead walking around? Hmm. I think there's something like that out there. I know that there's like what people refer to as the stone tape theory. And there's this like this this impression where our life does leave an impression on some places, like I'm, and you feel it whenever you walk into a room after there's a fight. That sort of thickness in the air, and I do feel like our lives are so you know we we give out so much energy in living our daily lives that we do imprint on on the environment around us. And I do feel that that is a thing, as far as intelligent ghosts and stuff like that. I don't know what to make of it. I, I've seen all the ghost shows, and I'm not a proficient ghost person per se. Even though I try to, you know, step into the the alien stuff, it just the ghost stuff just isn't quite my thing. And and it's just I really don't have an answer for you. I wish I did, but I just don't. Unfortunately, I don't know. I mean, I, like just like yourself, that's why I'm here asking questions and talking to people <laughs> about it. Right, right. Well, I mean, what's your opinion of it, though? I mean, we got a minute to go here. I'm very curious to see, you know, where where do you stand on it? Do you think once you die, you're you're one and done, or or does your ghostly experience make you think that there is something out there that we just don't understand? Yeah, I think that there are definitely ghosts out there. I've, I've certainly felt the presence of of my past mother. You know, uh, here and there, I've I've seen her in dreams and stuff like that. I've I've I feel that on some level, you know, transdimensionally, she probably watches over me in some nature. You know, she brought me up with the concept of guardian angels, and that's pretty much her way of of you know explaining all the weird stuff that would happen in our home. You know, it's just like oh, it's just your guardian angels, this and that, and and I I do feel like you know these these you know, these people, our past loved ones, our ancestors and whatever do watch over us in in a way and, and offer us guidance and stuff like that. So I do feel that that is possible. I, I do subscribe to that. Right on, right on. Chris, we got you for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We're going to get into your artwork 
with R. Keith Andrews, one of our most popular guests here on Spaced Out Radio, who will be our guest on our next show. I love R. Keith. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get to audience questions as well. A jam-packed next half hour to kick off the second half with the host of Conspira Theory Podcast, Chris Holm. We will be right back right after this. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio continues after the break. There we go, my man. Hmm. Almost done. This is flying by. Yeah. Yeah, and I still have so much stuff to get to. <laughs> yeah, next half, half hour is going to be very content heavy. Yeah. You know, I could probably tell you, since we're behind the curtain, I could probably tell you this. For the longest time, I didn't know that R. Keith Andrews was was his name. You thought I, I was thought, saying R, like our. I thought no, no, yeah, like our Keith Andrews, like O U R, and then like no, he's not your Keith Andrews, he's R. Keith Andrews. And that's what I thought it was for the longest time, until I realized, oh, he has an R in his name. It's Ronald Keith Andrews. That's his name, <laughs> Ronald Keith yeah, Andrews. I, I think I first heard you on the radio, like terrestrial radio. Sometimes they would swap out shows. Like it would either be, if it wasn't Coast to Coast, it was um, Dave Schrader or you that yeah. they would cycle through in the AMs. And um, and then it wasn't until I started watching you on YouTube that I realized, oh, these people, their names aren't what I thought they were. <laughs> I guess, you know, um, um, I would have, ah, oh God, what? I'm on the spot, so it, stuff is falling out of my head. Um, what is her name? The lady that comes on the the she was on the special with uh, Devi Lovato. Mm-hmm. Um, her name starts with an O. Her last name starts O something. Uh, Geraldine Orozco. Geraldine Orozco. Yes, that's right. For for yeah, I mean. For the longest time, I thought it was, I didn't know it was Geraldine or Roscoe. I thought it was Geraldine and Roscoe. I thought that Roscoe was oh like my. a puppet she had. Oh, no. Plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up, and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at ServiceTitan.com. That's ServiceTitan.com. Individual results. May vary. Hi, I'm David Moss with Moss Nissan. When it comes to servicing your vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. You'll notice the difference the moment you walk through our door. Our team is like family, and we look forward to treating you like part of our family. With our state-of-the-art service facility, factory trained technicians, we are more equipped to service all make and models. Plus, with our extended service hours, our pickup and drop-off service, you can have your vehicle serviced according to your schedule, not ours. Experience a Moss difference today. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. Oh. The, the, and I would listen to the show, and I'm like, when is she going to bring Roscoe on? I keep waiting for Roscoe to come on. That's and, funny. And I keep I keep expecting for like a little rat puppet or something to come right. on. And she's like, she'll talk, and then she'll and then she'll bring up Roscoe and say, "That's right, Jaden." 
you're so smart, you know, and something like that to come up, <laughs> Geraldine. I can't see Geraldine do that. I really can't. Yeah. Oh. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put that to paper sometime. You totally do. D. Cipher is asking if your podcast is on Apple. Um, I, I've, I've tried to put it on there. I don't think it's, it, it is on there. Um, you're going to have to go through Google and just type in conspire a theory podcast. Um, if you go to either my Instagram or my Twitter, which is conspire theory, all one word, you'll be able to find a link tree in the bio. And then that will take you to the various outlets that it can be found on. It's one of those where you're going to have to like either get a, um, the RSS feed someplace and then plug it into your player. Right. I'm still trying to hook it up because I had to switch hosts for a while. And then I'm just trying to, you know, get everything back up to um, back up to snuff. So I, I think I've submitted it to it, but it's like, it's just getting it on Apple podcasts. I, I think there was a time where it was on there, but only went to so many episodes. And right. And, are you, are, you know, do you so, broadcast off a of speaker? I think I broadcast off of Spotify. I'm going off of Spotify yeah. for right now. If, if you if you go to Spreaker, it will um, it will uh, 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 take your show and it will uh, automatically put it on on all sorts of platforms. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All of them say they do that, but then when you finally get behind the scenes, it's like you got to plug all that stuff in yourself. Nope. And then you I, have to like I've been with do Spreaker. all that stuff. I've been been with Spreaker since 2016. Never, mm. never had to do it. Never had to do it. I'm a big fan. Uh, one thing, uh, Brooks, welcome to SOR chat. And anybody else? Abnormal Investigations, good to see you back. Who else is here? As my eyes start to blur for the night. And um, I don't think so. Thank you, Kira, Susie B., and Gizmo for the Super Chats. And don't forget to hit that subscribe, ring that bell, as we are here seven days a week for your listening entertainment. And you can go shopping at our Spaced Out Radio store on our website. It's always open. We do not have ugly swag, people. We got stuff you actually want to wear out and that you'd be happy to wear out. Major Lee, how you doing, man? Chrono Trigger, good to see you. Sarah, a, a AI boots on the ground. Welcome to SOR chat. And uh, I think that's it. First floor audio, fellow Commonwealther. How are you? And uh, yeah, here we go, everybody. Let's do this next half hour, shall we? Here we go with the second half of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you for tuning us in. For all the woo you can handle, my name is Dave Scott. Broadcasting from the snowy mountains of British Columbia. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. 
You can follow us on any major podcast network, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and every podcast network in between. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Here we go, final half hour with our guest tonight from Conspire Theory Podcast. You know, me being the Canadian, I've been calling it wrong all night. I've been saying it's a conspira theory podcast. You screwed me up on that one, but we're glad to have our good friend Chris Holm here with us tonight. Chris, before we get into our Keith Andrews, you've been to our first two fan parties in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. How much fun did you have? Uh, The first one was a blast because I had so many people to pal around with all day. And it was just like, it was just a blur of just drinking and, and partying and fun. And, and then the second one was so many new people. There was like a lot, I was meeting a new person like every single time. And, and it's just, it, I had a blast both times, now, but I will say if you're going to go bring a friend, bring a friend. Cause, cause you're going to run into so many interesting, cool people and you're going to need someone to say, Hey, that's so-and-so too. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I hope you can make our third one May 10th through 12th in Reno, Nevada at the silver legacy casino and resort. We moved it up from Vegas because Vegas just got too expensive. So we're moving it to Reno, a lot cheaper, a lot nicer, and we're going to have some cool stuff. Because I know you like doing the cool stuff, like the like the, the ghost tour we're going to do in Virginia City. Merle's setting that up. And Melinda Leslie's going to be doing a, a night uh, vision uh, scope for UFOs outside of the town. So I know, Chris, you're going to like that stuff along with the live show. So that'll be cool. If you if you caught the live broadcast from from this past year, I think there was a time where a random guy had the floor for like two minutes, and he brought up random people. And then I went up there and I told like two or, or th- for two three minutes straight, I just told Jessica Jones's tall jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it was, was a riot. <laughs> that was the surprise of twenty twenty three. Was how tall is Jessica Jones, a cryptid hunter? Yeah. <laughs> you know she she's. Uh, you know, I thought she was going to be like five four, five five. No, she's like six foot seven. You know, absolutely. Then she wears the heels to bring her up to like seven one. Yeah, you know, but that's, WNBA probably tried to snag her a couple times. Probably, it wouldn't surprise me. You work a lot with our Keith Andrews, and you know, this is a guy where he's our next guest. He comes in each month for what we call the ET Connection. And, you know, he is someone who is, you know, a lot of people, they, they think he's off his rocker. They think uh, that he's telling the truth. They think that he is, um, you know, a little knowledgeable or just making it up. What do you think of our Keith and working with him? Well, just to come off the phone, I'm not paid to believe him. But I am paid to understand his his what he's trying to present, and that's what I bring to the table. Whether I believe him or not, what I respect about our Keith is he's come forward and say, "Hey, 
I know I can't prove this to, to satisfy most people and there's really nothing that I can do about that, you know, so either take it or leave it. And I respect that about him the most. And that's probably why I'm drawn to him and why I enjoy his segments so much, because if you think he's crazy, fine, he's crazy. If you think he's, he's real, then fine. He's real. But the thing is, is that his stuff is very entertaining, and that's what draw me into it. These characters that he introduces, he introduces us to, are so fascinating. And I mean, you know, of course, I was intrigued. And I think it was three years ago he put out a call on your show that he was looking for artists to, because uh, he wanted to make an illustrated edition of one of his uh, his books, Races of the World, Volume One. I had initially approached him, you know, after hearing about it on your show, um, going back and forth and, and we would just, you know, I was, you know, one of the candidates and I thought that I would be part of a team that it would be me and maybe, uh, four or five other people. And we would all do contributing illustrations like, I would do like a packet of four or five and then send them in and that that would be, I'd be done with it. And then the rest would be filled out by the rest of the team. But instead what he had decided was, and this is what I respect is that he wanted a uniform style across the board of all of them that he, because a lot of these compendiums that do these various races, what they'll do is they'll have the descriptions and then the art is like an afterthought. It's usually, um, art from you know people's deviant art or or stills from movies stuff that's not really quite related and unfortunately what it does is that because everything is such a conflicting style nothing looks uniform what he had wanted was he wanted a uniform approach to it where it would all be done the same style and then that's when he approached me that he wanted me to be the primary artist and at first you know I I was like you know floored by like and since then, over the past year and a half, I think I've contributed over 70 drawings to him of, of his various races that we've been working on it for the past year and a half of just working on this. And it's been like a steady job for me. Well, I mean, I, why do it, though? Why do it? And look, I'm saying this. I love our Keith Andrews. I think he is one of the most honest individuals. You may, You don't have to believe him. But he is one of the most honest individuals that you will find out there. Why help him out? Was it just because he's a nice guy? No, I'm curious. I'm curious about these creatures. I love hearing about them. One of the things that me and him have in common is we both grew up on D&D, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. And I used to flip through the monster manuals. And as a kid, I was like, oh, I want to one day do that, is to do the illustrations in the monster manuals. And although this isn't the same thing, it's sort of scratching that itch, so to speak, that I'm, you know, doing these sort of things where I'm, I'm presenting, um, you know, these, these creatures and stuff for, for people to see and for people to, to meet. And, and I'm curious about these entities too, because I hear them talking about them all the time. And I'm like, well, you know, what, what are these guys like? What, what do they look like? What do they do? You know, and, and all that nature. We, you, and for our, uh, nope. For our radio audience, you won't be able to see this, but we will describe them to you. You've put up some pictures of of some of the um, of some of the uh, the creatures, creatures. The thank you, aliens, yeah, aliens that yeah. our Keith Andrews has come up with. Let's start with the Gorgon. 
Yeah, the the one on the upper right is sort of like a bat-like creature, sort of like a like a golem or or uh, gargoyleist type of of creature, and that's sort of like a, a rock creature that made out of rock, but it's sort of able to to maintain flight and stuff of that nature. It's got bat wings on it, has a sort of devilish look, you know, very intimidating. And then on the next one is the is a sort of a like theranthrope type of creature. It's sort of like a dog man, but he's got like a skin tight suit on space suit on. And, and he's got like the, the legs that he's got like a dog, like head and tail. And he's got like his legs are sort of what, what we call, um, I think it's a uh, digigrade where he walks on his toes on his digits, you know, and, and then on the other one is a Virzak and that one is, it's a ball. <laughs> I don't know how to best describe it, but it's a ball. <laughs> And 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 it's a very you know shiny ball. I try to try to illustrate it as realistic as possible. And then the one in the other corner are these little mushroom people that are bouncing about back and forth, and they're teeny tiny. And they're one that he brings up quite a bit on his show is the Spearnock Din. And these guys are they're they're like these little mushroom people. They have these little arm phalanges that come out. They have these stalks that separate into four little legs and they have their mouths at the center of those legs and they're just they're just hopping along you know sort of fun like that <laughs> he has things like the corlocks and and the sargazians or cesarians pardon me i mean you look at a lot of these creatures where do you, or or entities whatever you want to call them you know when you when you see hear him describe them, how are you able to put that picture in your head to what he's describing? Well, I asked for a detailed description, and then I asked him to like, well, what what tell me a little bit about their mannerisms, what they do, you know, what what their habits are, and stuff of that nature. And then I tried to you know illustrate as best I can what the initial process is. He'll give me a list. He'll give me excerpts from the book. You know, I need this, this, and this. And then I have my own copy that I use for, you know, cross-references if I need to make notes on anything. And then and then I'll take that description, and then I'll do initial, like, sketches, and then I'll send him the sketches, and then he'll send me notes and forth. And every, like, every week we would do, like, a 30-minute talk where me and him would get on Skype, and then we just compare notes and go back and forth. And that's the coolest thing ever because I sort of get my own little private show with Ark Heath, you know, where I get them all to myself. <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. And, and we'll like talk business for like 15 minutes and then like another five minutes, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just goof around and, and just, you know, just talk about what's going on and stuff like that. And then, and then we'll just get back to it. And then I'll finalize the sketches, you know, according to his notes and send them to him pending his approval, he'll send me like a few notes like, okay, I need this one a bit taller. I need this one a bit, you know, a bit more this here, a bit more that here. And sometimes I'll have problems understanding it. And that's where me and him have to really get down on, on how to best present this stuff. You know, it's like, well, how am I going to to make this, you know, plausible for for people and all that nature? Um, let me see if I could do this within the within the application and show you some other ones. I got a few up here. I, I found the three most common that he talks about, which is the Marlock, the Teclocks, and the Spearnock Din. You see the Spearnock Din there, and I'm going to see if I can... Oops. Okay, that's some more. Oh, that's the... Okay. 
This right here is the the well. Wait, hang on a second. Let me just the Maldocks. Maldocks. I wouldn't want to run I think into I got them. A better one. The Techlex. Let's go to the Techlex. Okay, the, we'll, we'll talk about the Maldocks first. Sure. These are the guys. They're the sort of you know uh, predatory predator like. He describes them as like a predator, where they have the 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 mandibles on the lower jaw, which opens up to reveal their skin and they're very powerful and, and muscular and, 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 you know, they have like claws on their hands and they have like horns on their brows and they have long sort of hair, which could get matted up into looking. They're the most predator like thing that we've seen. And then, and then I sort of flesh those out and, and, and illustrate them and, and present them to him. And then, and then he comes back and forth, and we just go back and forth on that. And any any questions regarding these guys? No, let's move on. No? All right, then let's see if I can. I want to get present the Techlex. Oops, the Techlex. These guys, he he brings them up quite a bit, and there, I ask him, you know, like. He, when he described them to me, that there were these little like reptilian beings, they, they're like somewhat like a raptor, like a raptor, but if the raptor stood upright and was holding a gun and had space armor, and I'm like, oh, so these guys are like little kobolds, you know, because in in fantasy race, you know, that we we have these things called the kobolds, and they're like these little lizard people, and they're like these sort of you know fun mischievous things, and that's you know the the closest approximation. That I can find because whenever I try to do these things, I try to make them so that they have um, more like uh, if they have like real world counterparts that I can draw inspiration from it and talk about and stuff of that nature. Love it, love it. You also got one of me on there. I know you do. Oh yeah, I know you do. You got to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, this one. Yeah, that one. Pondering my orb, <laughs> the magic eight ball, with my gnome, my guitar, and Carl at the window. I love it. I love it. You are yeah. so talented, my friend. So talented. Carl, right before he, he wanders off on his on his little clip clap club feet. Right. Let's see. There's these. Okay. Uh, I might get this little thing because I don't have it set to loop. Okay. Was there any? Uh, let's see. Uh, I've only had. I've only brought like a small handful to pre- to present. No, that that's let's take great. Take a look at these right here. That's great. While you leave them up there, while we look at them, I want to get to some audience questions yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. And let's get to Simon. Uh, Chris, do you feel like when you were in your uh, induced state of paralysis, did you feel like they induced it and took advantage of it? I don't know. I. When when I was there, it's like I guess I sort of slipped into it, and then I guess whatever they they felt that I I don't know if it's premeditated. I guess that's what they're asking: is was it premeditated? I mean, they certainly took advantage of it because they came in. You know, they kept the one of them kept an eye on me to make sure that I didn't you know uh, you know that that I didn't get up and and I guess disturb them or whatever. That they were clearly set there to do something. And then 
they they went on all out about and did their business and then you know they definitely took advantage of it who knows if they're going through if if other people have experienced them as well or if they've gone out and maybe they've like um done something else like if they showed up at like someone else's experience and that except instead they look completely different i mean is is clearly a short one and a taller one but the the shorter one is clearly the one in charge and he was the one that keeping the lookout as the taller one just meandered about and did his stuff right all right let's move on to another question here uh from light walkers did you feel that you were taken on to another realm or onto a ship while you were in sleep paralysis? Nope. I felt like I was intruded upon. Like, like these guys were interlopers. They, they simply came in, they did their thing within, I think within my realm or, or possibility, they probably spilt over their reality to do it, which was why they were able to get away with all the stuff that they did. But then they, they went up there, they did their stuff, and it's like, okay, we're done. We're, we're going to go. Or he's starting to wake up. We're, we're going. You know, I mean, they, they conveniently left just as I was waking up. All right. Let's uh, go to another question from LM. Chris, is it gravitationally related? Is consciousness gravity born? Mm, is that relating to my experience yes. or, or what? Relating to your experience. Oh, what I felt was I, I felt the heaviness of my own body. That's how I could best describe it. Like my body was turned off. Mm. And then that allowed the opportunity for the interlopers to do their business. I got you. Got you on that. Okay. Let's move on to another question. Let's go to UFO witnesses. UFO celebrity. Plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at servicetitan.com. That's servicetitan.com. Individual results may vary. When it comes to buying a pre-owned vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. With one of the largest selections of pre-owned vehicles in the Tampa Bay area, we have options for every situation and budget. And every vehicle comes equipped with Moss Care, which gives you added peace of mind and features and benefits such as lifetime oil changes, roadside assistance, and so much more. Visit us today and let one of our knowledgeable team members give you all the information you need to make an informed car buying decision. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. Versus UFO whistleblowers, where do you stand? Aren't they the one and the same sometimes? Because sometimes, you know, because... These whistleblowers, they're pretty much elevated to celebrity quite a bit. I know that the argument out there is that the whistleblowers aren't really risking anything. But then the experiencers, you know, in the in the good old days, when they used to come out with their experience, they faced massive ridicule. And, of course, now we know that a lot of that matter, ridicule was state-sanctioned by the government. You know, so so who knows now if we're simply i do believe some of us are still conditioned to make fun and laugh and giggle at the strange but i think it's slowly changing as more people are coming forward with their experiences so i i, I don't know i don't pick a side i hope they both lose <laughs> all right let's continue on here 
with Kira. Chris, have you channeled any beings by drawing them on paper? I've tried to do the channel drawing uh, on ghost hunts, and I really don't think I was anything successful. Whatever wavelength it was, I'm not able to snap into it. Whenever I go to ghost hunts, it's like nothing happens. You know, you, you've heard the whole, you bring a skeptic, nothing's going to happen because they nullify the experience. I feel whatever nullifying agent, that's what I have. So I consider what experiences I did have to be very, very lucky and extremely rare upon that because I'm clearly uh, a void. Whatever it comes out, I will void it out. All right. And follow up from Kira. Uh, has you seen anything appear after drawing it? Mm, you mean has any of Arkeith's denizens ever come to pay me a visit? Yeah. No. Sadly, no, because I'd like to meet some of these guys. Some of these guys are pretty cool. <laughs> but no, not, nothing's ever... I, I've never coaxed myself into an experience. I've never been able to do that. I mean, like I said, how I describe myself as a void, it, it's just... I don't think it's all that possible. I mean, as far as drawing something and then, and then having seen it or maybe someone else experiencing something similar to it, there was this one instance where I drew this rather bulbous-headed alien, and then I was presenting it to a, a friend of the show on, on her show, and then someone from the audience told someone else who was doing another another show that, hey, this, this guy, one of his drawings looks like one of the beings you saw. And then someone told someone that eventually got back to me that, like, oh, that, 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 I seen those. And then I was able to meet up with him and then get the experience out for, for him and, and, you know, you know, work that out. So, so I haven't seen any of these guys, but a lot of other people have seen other guys like them in their experiences after the fact. Well, at least you're not creating your own tulpas here. I mean, that's a benefit. No. I've I've tried. Trust me, I've tried. Every single show has their own cryptid, like like uh, strange familiars. They they're famous for the flannel man, uh, expanded perspectives. They're they're all about the glimmer man now, and and all this stuff, and and you know, and and even on this show, there there's a couple of repeat guests who like to visit us every now and then, like Carl and such. And, yeah, and I've, 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 I've tried to invoke my own cryptid, which I call the Yif King, and it's pretty much the the little fox that you see in my on my lo logo. That's he's like the the interloper of mischievousness, because in most Asian cultures, there's a lot of the fox is the the pariah of mischievousness in that culture. So I sort of translate that, and I call him the Yif King. Chris, with a minute to go here, I want to say a big thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio. It's been too long, and you have been absolutely awesome tonight in telling your story. Uh, one quick question from Vanessa before we let it go uh, to get your podcast information. Do you do all of your sketches in digital programs? Yes, I use um, Clip Studio Paint, and I've been doing it digital for quite a while. Uh, 
it, it, it's a, it's just a good, fun, easy to use program for me. That's what I've had the most experience. I've been brought up and trained in Adobe Photoshop and, and illustrator programs of that nature. So it, it's sort of, you know, working digitally is, is familiar for me and it's easier cleanup, you know, cause I, I do do traditional art, but the traditional stuff is like, I have to, I, I break my markers and, and pencils because I have a real heavy hand. So they end up breaking and stuff like this with the digital stuff. You know, I just wear out equipment and replace it. <laughs> right. And quickly here with 10 seconds to go, tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Uh, just search conspire a theory on all your podcast stuff. Yeah. If you need to find me on social media, the best place to go is Instagram. Just go to Instagram and type in conspire a theory, all one word in the search menu, and you'll be able to find me. There will be a link in my bio to where you can find, you know, my outlet and get it on your podcatcher with the RSS feed. Right on. Chris Holm from Conspire Theory. Coming up next, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing, and then Robin Haynes joins us for the cryptid report we'll be back with hour three of spaced out radio next great job chris absolutely All amazing right. tonight buddy absolutely amazing thank you uh, yeah i told you i'd give you 110 percent. oh geez thanks sorry that was my fault yes chris that was my fault you can come back in I hit the wrong button. Gosh darn it. Mm. I don't like when I do that. Doesn't happen often. Damn it. There he is. My bad. I hit the wrong button. Yeah. When you say you're not joking. What's that? When you say two hours on the dot, you're not joking. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you were you were saying right before I rudely uh, got rid of you there. Um, something like I I I I did my best. I gave you a hundred and ten percent. You were awesome. You were awesome, and uh, I love you, man. And thank you for coming on the show and being a fan of ours, and oh, for all the years that you have been and. And uh, the only thing I can say is get your butt back in the chat room a little bit more when you can and you're not working. Yeah, I I definitely try to come on in. I I love poking my head in there every now and then. You got it, buddy. Well, I'm going to let you go now because I have to uh, go visit the boys' room. All righty. It was good. I'll catch up with you later. Talk soon, Chris. Take care. Chris Holm, everybody. I will be right back, and uh, we'll get our three started.
I am back. <coughs> Hi, Von Patrick. How are you? Black Mamba's Gun, good to see you. Good night, Kira. Have some fun training at 7 a.m. Call me after work, will you? If you don't mind. Fawn, I'm doing good. Don't like my Oilers start, but I'm doing good. Thank you for asking, buddy. Thank you also to Kira, Susie, and Gizmo for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. And if you haven't already, do some shopping at spacedoutradio.com. We got great swag, people. We really do. It's not ugly. None of that ugly stuff. We got good stuff you're going to want to wear. So make sure you go check it on out. And here we go, everyone. Here comes our number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Pezagoni. Pezagoni is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for another creepy story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Over the 4th of July weekend in 1938, the Billharts family went camping at Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park. The family, including four-year-old Alfred Billharts and his older siblings, camped near Estes Park in the Roaring Fork River region. On July 3, the family walked along the trail to go fishing, with Albert lagging behind. Around 8 a.m., his parents noticed he was missing. The family searched for Alfred, but could not locate him, and he was reported missing to park officials. Over the coming days, more than 1,000 searchers, including canines, scoured the area for Alfred by damming up streams, dynamiting beaver dams, and searching creek bottoms, but no trace of the young child was found. Speculation about Albert's fate ranged from a grizzly bear attack to abduction, but authorities assumed he drowned or was somewhere in the timbered region. Searchers believed that if he were in the water, 
he would not have been able to pass through the beaver dams, and if he did, he would not have made it through a wire net set up by officials during the search. A gauze bandage, which his parents said had been covering Alfred's heel, was discovered approximately a mile from where he was said to have disappeared. This discovery led his father, William, to believe Alfred was abducted rather than having drowned, as Alfred disliked bandages and tended to pull them off. A new search took officials to the hills, with teams scouring the Devil's Nest region on the slopes of Mount Chaplin for an all-day climb up the mountain's south side. William J. Eels and his wife previously told officials they thought they saw a lone figure of a boy standing on a boulder, which gave credence to the theory of abduction proposed by Alfred's parents. Then a woman named C.A. Lynch informed her brother-in-law, W.R. Lynch, that she'd seen Alfred walking with an unknown man along a highway while driving with her husband from Big Spring to Ogallala. This prompted officers in western Nebraska to investigate, but this also yielded no results. For several weeks after Alfred's disappearance, reports were received claiming he had been seen by various persons. However, officials were unable to validate any of these claims. Months later, the Billharts family received a ransom note at their home from a man who shielded his face, requesting $500 for Alfred's safe return. The note read, Sorry for your son. The boy doesn't take to us. We will return your son if you leave $500 in a can 20 feet from 32nd and Syracuse, one block from your home, and the note. We will return your son within 24 hours. Alfred's father held a family conference and decided they would handle the matter themselves without the police, but after careful reflection, they contacted the authorities. Alfred's father responded to the note by writing, If you will give me any proof that you have my boy, I will pay the money. He left the note in a kettle around the corner, and the police set up a blockade to intercept any roads leading out of the area. Then they waited. A car carrying a man and a woman pulled up and circled before stopping at the intersection of East 32nd Avenue and Syracuse Street. The man got out of the vehicle, pushed a dog out, and Alfred's brother, Matthew, who was waiting with the authorities, shouted, Stop! After pushing the dog back into the car, the man quickly jumped in and sped away. A detective fired around amid the chaos, but the vehicle continued until it reached the police barricades. The detectives apprehended the couple, and when questioned, the pair claimed that they frequently took their dogs to the area to, quote, give them an airing, end quote. Police believed their explanation and subsequently released them. Detective O.A. Nick Carter investigated the matter and determined that the note was a cruel hoax. He vowed to do everything he could to identify the perpetrator responsible for writing it. Ultimately, with no new leads or evidence, officials concluded Alfred was deceased and his body was probably lodged between the massive rocks that filled the mountain stream. Sadly, his parents passed away before ever knowing the actual fate of their son. So, was Alfred Brillhart's abducted, or did he drown, or succumb to the elements in the Rockies? Anyone with information regarding Alfred's disappearance is asked to contact the National Park Service Investigative Services Branch at 888-653-0009. And thank you to Steve Stockton for that incredible spooky story from Among the Missing. If you want more stories just like that, all you got to do is head on over to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing and hit subscribe, ring that bell, and it'll be right there for you. From the missing to the mysterious, here comes the cryptid report. 
and Robin Haynes. Nice. I promised you your own theme music, and there you I, go, Robin. I'm excited about it. I am so it. excited. I am so excited. I love it. You have your own theme music now on Spaced Out Radio. <laughs> no more Super Duke for you. I'm telling you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. I feel so loved. Yes. i, I got to figure out some words I'm going to put in there yet. It's not quite done, but I wanted to get That's that That's all right. In. We're we're on our way. Nobody thinks I'm Duke anymore. Nobody thinks you're Super Duke anymore. <laughs> nope, not that. Not Super Duke anymore. We've uh, we've upgraded you. you. You're your own personality here. On yeah, Spaced Out my, Radio. he's my my brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Oh my god, I love him. How you been doing? So how are, I'm doing good. I had a visitor in the backyard. Um, was it? Yes. No, this morning. I didn't even realize it was out there. Everybody needs to start looking up in the trees. I am really bad at that. Like people don't realize how up in the trees the Sasquatch get because they just assume because they're so big that there's no reason for them to really be looking in the trees. They're so busy looking for them everywhere else. They get up in those trees. Like you would not believe how easy they get up in those trees and you don't know they're there. And I went out this morning and let the dogs out, and right next to where the backyard is fenced in yet is my whole property is outlined in, in giant pine trees. And I didn't even pay attention. I was half asleep. I was taking the dogs out. And the Pyrenees didn't want to come in, so I put her out in the pen, and I shut the fence on it. I went to go turn around, and all I heard was this giant pop. And the whole entire tree line just shook, and one went from the trees to the tree next to it. And it was black, and then it went into that cloaking where it looked like the predator thing. Yes. And that's all you could see jumping when it broke the, the tree. It was Plumbing, HVAC, and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17% increase in revenue, a 9% increase in average ticket size, and a 10% increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up, and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at Service ServiceTitan.com. That's ServiceTitan.com. Individual results may vary. As the last of the major sports leagues is off and rolling, and now college basketball is set to go as well, BetOnline.net is your top spot for all pro and college action this season. With pro basketball, pro and college football, and hockey all in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops information along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access and Anytime. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. It just snapped it right in half. It jumped up to go to the next one. And when it did, it must have stepped on it wrong because it just snapped it right over. And it took off into the tree next to it. By the time it got to the third tree, it was cloaked again. Oh, but nice. People need to look, everybody look up because they really they get in those trees and you can't tell they're there. Now, we had Zerky, the younger one that hangs out in the front yard. He played in those trees in the front yard for like three years. That was his play area. Broke them all down. I mean, <laughs> he really demolished a lot of trees. But they are up there in the trees. So everybody look up. Don't just necessarily look down. 
I want to ask you something. When they go up in the trees, are they cloaking? Well, I've seen them a couple ways. Like, I've physically seen them in physical form up in the trees. You know, not some of the, the 14-footers because they get kind of heavy unless you're in a tree that, you know, has got that big base on it and big limbs so they aren't going to break it. But a lot of the adolescents and the younger ones will go up there really easy. And they'll be in physical form. Um, I've seen them, you know, like the one today, or this morning was physical and then it went into that predator form where it looked like, you know, the gelled water. You know, you saw it go from being physical into that as it moved through the trees. But, no, they, they're up there in physical form. Wow. Wow. That, that's just amazing. Just amazing. All right. Robin, one of the things that I always like to learn about this creature is its habits. Okay. Right. What kind of habits does it have that would allow it to elude people so quickly? Because I talk to a lot of hunters in my area mm-hmm. and a lot of First Nations in my area. And the majority have never seen a creature. They yeah. be- they believe in it, but they've never seen it. If if you have so many people who are spending so much time in the wilderness, like people do in my area, how come yeah. there are not more encounters? Well, first of all, they study us as much as we study them. Like they know everything we're going to do before we do it. Plus they can read our intent. They can read our energy. So they know what we're going to do before we do it. So they're really good at outmaneuvering us they're always going to be able to outmaneuver us. I mean, it's just a given. But their whole way of life is based on being stealth. You know, they know how to hide from everything, whether it's another clan, whether it's another cryptid, prey, whatever, and then they study us on top of it. I mean, they're masters of it. You know, they can shape shift so they can blend in with the scenery. You know, people talk about it all the time. They stand in front of a tree and you can't see them anymore. It's because they simply blend. And they become whatever color they're up against. So they have so many abilities. And so there's so many ways that they can do that. From cloaking to doing the shimmer, which is the predator effect, to the blending of their colorations so that they blend in with the scenery. I mean, I have a picture of a female sitting in a bunch of brush. And she looks almost green like the brush. Because they have that ability to just blend in color-wise. And you don't see them. Like, you can walk right by them and not realize they're there until you either hear them or feel them. But they, they are taught these things from the time they're babies, you know, and then you combine that with the fact that they're observing us at all times. I mean, we're out there watching them while they're watching us. It's ridiculous. They're just better at it than we are. Hmm. Okay. So how are they able to walk so quietly? Are their feet that padded? That it could that it allows it because I mean, let's face it: rocks, dirt, trees, okay, other yeah, things that are on the ground. They're, they're they're pretty. They can make things pretty loud. Yeah, I don't think it's so much that they're padded. They actually their feet get really tough on the bottom because they're barefoot all the time. They cover rocks. You know, they walk up and down the trees like they go up in those trees and they'll take their feet and just climb right up the bark. You know, I mean, they they're barefoot, so it toughens that bottom layer on the bottom of the feet but i think too they're so used to it again it goes back to the way their culture works and what they're taught i mean they are careful they where they put their feet they're very well aware of where their feet go that is going to make the less impact the less noise 
And then, you know, for a lot of the people that are familiar with the woo with them and the paranormal side of them, they can levitate. I watched them do it before. Many people have watched them do it. So they can hover just above the ground. You would be amazed. Like you might hear a little bit of shuffling when they're on the ground. You're not going to hear the kind of footsteps that we get from us. They glide when they walk. It's not like a, a solid put your foot down like perhaps we do. They literally glide. And it looks effortless for people that have seen it and thousands of people have. It's just like somebody that's on cross-country skis. That's the same effect that they have. And it's a very quiet movement. It's a very even flush movement. Okay. That's still, I'm still having troubles figuring out how they're able to, to be so silent. I mean, look, they're going to make some noise. Everything does. Right. Okay. But yeah, their silence is stealthy and it, it, yeah. And I can understand. Okay. If you're in the denseness of a forest, okay, they're going to blend in. You know, when I go hunting with my buddies, the one thing we laugh at every time we go in and out of the forest is how many animals did we pass that saw yeah. us, but we didn't even see. Yep. And it's the same way with them. You can walk right by one. And unless you know how to read the energy or know what you're looking for, you're not even going to know they're there. You know, when they maneuver through the woods, this is what they do 24 hours a day. They know how to move between the trees and move between the branches. They know where to put their feet they know which areas are going to have more of the crunchy leaves opposed to just sand or dirt or whatever. They know that. They know every square inch of the areas that they're in. They know how to maneuver it. You know, and then there's the thing that they can be in physical form and they can go in spirit form. They're in spirit form. They're going to walk wherever they want. You're never going to hear them. You know, sometimes in spirit form, you can see what looks like a translucent figure of them. You can see them, but you can almost like right through them. And then when they're in physical form, they still have a leg up on us because they are so accustomed to moving through that brush. Like when we go through the brush, we're just walking to get through it. The placement of our feet, we're not overly concerned about because all our concern is just getting through the brush. With them, it's altogether different. They've been through all that brush a million times. They know where it's going to be quieter to walk. They know where to put their feet. They're experiencing it. This is what they do. This is what their culture is based on is being stealth. They, it, their survival depends on it. There's nobody that does it better than they do. Is Dogman the same way? Just as creative and adaptive? I think they are. I Personally, my own opinion is the Sasquatch is a little bit quieter. But yeah, the Dogmen do too. But I don't think they're nearly as quiet as the Sasquatch are. Like these cryptids, when you go out in the woods, you're now in their home turf. And they can maneuver it like nobody's business. They know where to put their feet at. They know, you know, perhaps this area over here is a little bit more unstable. It's going to be crunchier, you know, walking on the leaves or the brush where this side over here is going to be a little more sandy. When they used to walk around when I was in Michigan and they used to follow me around the woods every time I'd go out and walk, they knew where to put their feet. They knew what parts of the property were softer. Like they would come up where leaves were at and I would literally watch them walk around the leaf pile and walk over in the sand and walk. Like, they know what they're doing. They know it better than we'll ever know it. But their whole lives and cultures are dependent on them being stealth. That's how they're raised from the time they're babies. You know, if they can get into a tree and go from tree to tree to tree so that there's no crunching of leaves where they're walking, they're going to do it. We had a huge, huge tree at the back of our property. It was big. And you could see where they would grab 
the branches and it fit perfectly where their hands would go and their feet would go. There were their raw parts on the tree where it went right through the bark. And that was where they would grab it to pull themselves up. And they would literally go tree to tree. Like I said, this one over here this morning, I had no idea it was up in the tree. All I was trying to do is let the dogs out and the Pyrenees wanted to stay out. So I put her out in the pen, thought, okay, fine. She likes it cold and it's cold here. She could go out and play. And when I got close enough to the pen, it must have startled it because it just jumped from one branch to another, broke the whole branch down. It was a good sized branch. I mean, it was probably, you know, about not about half the size of around as a tire. So it wasn't like it was a thin little branch and it broke that thing to the ground. And I saw it right as it leaped onto the tree next to it. And then it went to the tree from there and on down. You know, I never knew it was there. It was quiet as a little mouse. She didn't know I have any idea it was there until, you know, it went to go jump and that branch gave way under it. Wow. Wow. Do we... But I was only probably 20 feet, not even 20 feet from it. Unbelievable. Do we know if Sasquatch ever stops growing? I know that's a hypothetical question, considering we don't yeah. have a body, we don't have uh, the the DNA to test, you know. But yeah, I mean, you it's look only at the speculation. Size. Yeah, give me a I speculative answer. I think it's answer. only speculation. I think that they grow consistently. You know, when they're younger, they grow at a faster rate. I think they peak and then it slows down. You know, that would be my assumption. Do I have anything to back that up on? Absolutely not. You know, we see some that get 15, 16 feet tall, some get bigger than that. I don't think they stop growing. I think that the rate of growth decreases as they get older. And I think that's what slows it down a little bit because the most growth is generally, you know, as they're younger. And they get, you know, they grow very quickly then. But I think the older they get, it slows down that growth rate. And a lot of it depends on, you know, the area that they're in, how much food they have access to. I mean, there's a lot of components that would add to that. But in my opinion, for whatever that's worth, and it's only an opinion because there's no way to prove it, as they get older, it slows down that growth rate. You know, and just like us, we grow to, you know, a certain age and then we start kind of shrinking a little bit. I don't think they ever shrink down like we do, but I do think that it, it predominantly slows down that growth. Right. I, I could totally understand that, as it does with almost every other uh, species out there. What have, yeah. what have you learned from interacting with them? This is a question from UFO Witness. For me, I think the biggest thing for me was just to realize how human they actually are. I mean, it, the paranormal abilities really didn't shock me because I grew up around them, so I was used to them. So that wasn't the big shocker to me. Um, a few of them were, but most of them were not. For me, it was, you know, when I was a kid and I encountered them, it was, oh, look, there's another animal in the woods. It's all covered with hair, you know, and you just automatically assume it's an animal. And then as I got older, it was, oh, they have speech. They have a written language. You know, their culture is their own culture, but it's it still run like a human would run like a culture. So that was the biggest shock for me when I had that come to Jesus moment where, you know, I transitioned from, oh, my gosh, this just isn't an animal any more than we are to this is actually a type of people. And that was my biggest shock. The abilities didn't floor me as much as they probably should have because from the time I was little, I experienced them doing them and using them. You know, now and then it would be kind of like, oh, wow, they can do that too. All right, that's cool. But it didn't really shock me as much as the whole human aspect. That was the part that really floored me. Robin, we have about 
a minute and 30 to go with you here. This segment just goes by way too quick. But I know that where you are in the dead of night, you're wanting to get to bed here very, very soon. (laughs) So do me a favor. At least stay up for you. I know you sure. do, and I and I appreciate the fact that you stay up for us in our audience. It is gold, Jerry. Oh, I love it you is guys. gold. Tell us, tell everybody where they could, how they could get a hold of you. Well, I have a website now um, where I have various services. If anybody's interested, and it's called paranormal empowerment dot com, and you are welcome to find me there. You can, if there's nothing on there that is what you're looking for, you can also fill out a contact form. And if it's something I can help you with, I do. If you just want to chat with me, you can find me on Facebook under Robin Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S, or email me at R-L-Y-N-N-E, and then a period, F-O-R-E-S-T-P-E-O-P-L-E at gmail.com. We love it. And I'm going to update you on something. Uh, we wrapped up, we wrapped up our ghost tours at the museum Wonderful. on Halloween night, and since August, we raised over ten thousand uh, dollars for the fantastic. museum. Fantastic! Yes, I'm very happy. Congratulations! About, I'm very happy and, about that. And don't anybody forget, Dave Scott will be with us at the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference on April 26th and 27th. We're thrilled to have him. Can't wait! Thank you, Robin. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Coming up next, Kirkpatrick versus Grush. Get off my lawn. Let's talk some UFOs on the Dave 101 next. All right. I'm just kind of standing here. Actually, I'm sitting here. My chair is so uncomfortable tonight. So uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. So uncomfortable. Hello, Luffy. What's going on? I had a lower back treatment right before the sh- uh, couple hours before showtime. And now, usually what I do is... Hey, Blue Lightning, how you doing? Usually what I do when I have a treatment is I immediately go into a bathtub with with Epsom salts because it loosens everything up. And I didn't get that opportunity today. And so I can feel from sitting in this chair uh, for the last couple hours that 
it's kind of like everything's like moving and it's uh, uncomfortable. So if anybody out there listening right now is a Reiki practitioner and can send Reiki my way into my lower back, I'd greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. No, this is usually, this is a sort of Sealy chair that I'm in. And usually it is extremely comfortable. Just today it's not. Snot, I tell you, it's snot. I will take all the relief I can get right now. I can see you have a porcupine spirit attachment. I haven't seen a porcupine in a long time. I, I've seen one. And I never realized how big those rodents are. They're massive. They're massive. And believe it or not, Blue Lightning, where we go look for Sasquatch, there are porcupines out there. We got just over a minute. Thank you to Vaughn, Kira, Susie B, and Gizmo for the super chats tonight. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so, so much. Thank you to all our new subscribers. We're like 36 away from 24,000. <coughs> hmm. Hello, sweet Tony D. How are you? I appreciate the Reiki, my friend. Don't forget, you can shop at our store, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. No ugly swag. And for five bucks a month, you can join our Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Head on over. The link is below. I free your mind. Here we go with the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. 
Reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join me on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. All right, back to the UFOs. It's grinding my gears. Get off my lawn because it's a Dave 101. So we got this beautiful new drama happening in the UFO world of he said, he said between the head- plumbing, HVAC and electrical contractors on Service Titan put up big numbers. How big? In their first two years on Service Titan, contractors typically see a 17 percent increase in revenue, a 9 percent increase in average ticket size and a 10 percent increase in call booking rates. They also average a 4.7 out of 5 stars on customer review sites. Add it all up and the answer is clear. When solving for profitability, productivity, and growth, Service Titan is an essential part of the equation for contractors like you. Learn more today at ServiceTitan.com. That's ServiceTitan.com. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm David Moss with Moss Nissan. When it comes to servicing your vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. You'll notice the difference the moment you walk through our door. Our team is like family, and we look forward to treating you like part of our family. With our state-of-the-art service facility, factory trained technicians, we are more equipped to service all make and models. Plus, with our extended service hours, our pickup and drop-off service, you can have your vehicle serviced according to your schedule, not ours. Experience the Moss difference today. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. Head of Arrow, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, and whistleblower extraordinaire, David Grush. Now, you can dig your feet in the sand and choose sides if you want. But is there something more to this that we are not getting besides a petty argument between two popular figures in a tinfoil hat argument? Hmm. Let's think about this. So where does the drama start this time? Well, on an non-taped podcast meeting, whatever you want to call it, get together. That's videotaped, not audio taped. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, paraphrasing here, basically says that Arrow over the last number of months has been trying to contact David Grush to no avail to come in and talk to them about what he's seen, what he knows about these UAPs. And apparently, according to Kirkpatrick, Grush has blown them off. Not answered a single phone call or email or text or even anything to do with communication. No, nothing. Now, David Grush has responded saying, uh, what are you talking about? 
No, I've never got any invites to come speak to you guys at Arrow. Why are you lying? Why are you saying this when it's not true? So somebody's being played a fool here. I don't think when you get to those lines of communication way up there in the government, I really don't think that it would be too hard for them to find Grush, if you know what I'm saying. I'm going to stand on the side of David Grush on this one. But first, I want to tell you about this little caveat that we talked with Tim Senor about on the UFO report. You see, both Sean Kirkpatrick and David Grush have a handler of sorts. A billionaire handler who's a defense contractor and a guy who made his money off of co-founding PayPal with Elon Musk. And that is a gentleman named Peter Thiel. Now, Peter Thiel runs a company that uses computer technology to prevent hacking into the U.S. military computers. That's a big deal. It's a big contract. So how does he tie into Kirkpatrick and Grush? Well, let's break down the lines. One of Peter Thiel's business partners is a guy named J.C. Michaels, who happens to have a YouTube channel, happens to be the first one to interview David Grush on his YouTube channel after Ross Coltart. And they are now kind of handling his media. So that way they keep him away from all the pesky people like me who want to interview him. Well, we probably could for about three grand a month. Or pardon me, three grand an episode. And they'll probably want the questions up front, which real journalists never do. Okay? But on the flip side, how does Sean Kirkpatrick tie to Peter Thiel? Well, we have the answers for that too. See, Peter Thiel donated between 5 and $8 million to help set up Enigma Labs, the nefarious UFO company that seems to not want government contracts but is somehow working with NASA and other government vendors with UFOs. Huh? Exactly what I just said. Enigma Labs got their funding and their start from Peter Thiel's money. So how does this tie to Sean Kirkpatrick? Well, it is believed that Kirkpatrick is a fan of Enigma Labs and will likely have a job there when he retires, as expected, allegedly within the next 18 months. So how can these two Peter Thiel prodigies, if we can call them that, 
end up bickering publicly about UFOs. Well, that's simple. You see, David Grush is also a Luis Elizondo guy. They're buddies, along with many other whistleblowers and people who worked in the UFO dark world at the Pentagon. They know what it's like to be screwed by their senior advisors and alphabet agencies while trying to bring this topic to light. And Kirkpatrick has a real beef with some of these people who used to be part of the Arrow slash UAPTF slash ATIP slash OSAP groups that were running the UFO story behind the scenes. So if you choose Grush, you're still supporting Peter Thiel. If you choose Kirkpatrick, you're still supporting Peter Thiel. But we don't know what the end game is for either or. So why is this important to the UFO story? We got to get to that. This is important because right now they are two of the biggest names out there. We have one trying to expose the story, even though he has no hardcore evidence that we have seen publicly, at least. Privately, Congress people have got reports, names, potentially photographs, phone numbers, emails, Facebook pages, OnlyFans, in order to get their information. The other side is trying to cover up the story because their military-industrial complex bosses really don't want this story getting out. They don't want the threat narrative, as we've heard Kirkpatrick recently mention, that there is no threat in American airspace as far as Arrow is concerned, which also takes a shot at people who have been working the threat narrative from the TTSA to currently former fighter pilot Ryan Graves. You see, Kirkpatrick, as long as he's a government employee, he's going to do what his bosses tell him, and that is get this subject back under the carpet at the depths of the basement where it belongs. They don't want to talk about it anymore. Then you have Grush, who's like the kid who didn't get his way on the elementary school playground, who is like, this is what I saw. Teacher, this is what I saw. This is what I saw. But I'm not going to give the public anything. No, I can't. NDA, NDA. More NDAs. It's all about the NDAs. This UFO story is really becoming a real circle of life on its own. Because one side's trying to feed off the other, and they will eat each other alive before anybody truly gets to handle the truth. This is why, when we see this internal bickering, it just goes to show that those on the inside are just as confused between UFOs and UAPs as we are. They don't want to join us in a conversation of logic because they don't think that the public can handle it. For Grush, it's a little bit different 
because if he breaks his NDAs, he's probably heading to Leavenworth at the minimum, probably gets his pensions cut, security clearance cleared, and probably ends up bankrupt and him and his wife having to start life all over again. This is how cutthroat this story is. And it's ridiculous. We don't know where to push it. We're trying to push it. But certain people will only talk to certain people. And the rest of us are left to spend our time eating crumbs. You don't have to like it, but that is the game going on right now. And if Enigma Labs, owned by Peter Thiel, or funded by Peter Thiel, ends up getting all of these government contracts for UFOs, watch how they try to stomp out the rest of ufology like you're trying to put out a campfire in the middle of the summer in dry heat on dry ground. It is very difficult. But they're going to try and do it. Because what they want to do is exactly what MUFON does. Exactly what New Fork does. Exactly what the FAA does. Exactly what Tessa up in Toronto does. And that is take UFO reports, investigate them. And then hold on to the evidence without telling a soul. You see, Enigma Labs doesn't want to tell you what they find. They will make you pay for what they find. But they don't want to tell you. How else do the, does a fledgling company all of a sudden get invited to NASA meetings regarding the subject? Or get to talk directly with Arrowhead Sean Kirkpatrick anytime they want? The real conspiracy about UFOs and UAPs, whatever you want to call them, isn't the aliens, the pilots, or the crash retrievals, or the technology that has them going from 80,000 feet to 10 feet above sea level in 0.78 seconds. That's not it. The real conspiracy behind this is those who are trying to cover up, and they will eat their own to do it. That is what we are seeing played out in public. It's probably why more whistleblowers haven't come out in defense of David Grush publicly in front of the media in front of the cameras, and in front of the microphones. It's a tough reality when you see them waging war against each other over a subject that's so obtuse that there's still 40 to 50% of people in North America who have no clue what's going on in the sky because they don't believe it. No, we are in for... More of a dirty mess coming up here. And it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's the fault of those who want to be in charge and put push narratives. This is why on this show, we have always told you a couple of things. Number one, read between the lines. That's where the true story is. And number two, don't fall for false narratives. Because the narrative means disclosure will never happen. They don't want it to happen. They don't want you involved. They don't want me involved. They want us all to go away and leave them to their UAPs. 
That's what it's all about. And in the meantime, they are still going to continue bickering, yelling, hollering to anybody who will listen until somebody breaks that door down once again. And maybe, just maybe, this is where our UFO Lord and Savior, Luis Elizondo, comes back from his hiatus with his new book and blows the doors open on this story. That is your Dave 101. Here is Shirky Poo's News. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News! You know, we've talked about a number of extremely odd stories from around the world on this segment of the Weird News of the Week. But this one, mm, don't even know where to begin with it. British police were recently forced to taser a retired naked opera singer who was demolishing a nursing home armed with a bow and arrow. You cannot make this up. Mark Holland, who's 63 years old and should know better, became incensed after the nursing home staff prevented him from going shopping. In a series of logically progressing events, he then stripped off his clothes and began rampaging through the building. Over his spree of destruction, Holland reportedly caused several thousand dollars worth of damage. Once the police arrived, they were forced to taser the enraged man, not once, not twice, but three times a tasing. At that point, he retreated back into his room and he could be arrested. But he's a pretty tough guy at 63, taking those three taser shots. Yet the bizarre event took place at the Belmar Nursing Home on England's western coast. He'd been living there for a number of years as a voluntary resident. Back in his day, Holland was a respected opera baritone. He's a graduate of London's prestigious Royal College of Music and has performed to some acclaim on stages all over the world. Perhaps that's why he was usually awarded a considerable degree of freedom at the nursing home. For example, he was usually allowed to go shopping in town when he felt like it. But on October 2nd, things were a little different. It appears that another one of Holland's freedoms, including indulging in alcoholic beverages, was about to come to an end. Blackpool Magistrates Court heard in testimony that on the day staff at Belmar heard his request to go shopping, they were concerned that the man had been drinking too much and they didn't want Holland getting out there. So, of course, he ripped off his clothes, started running buck naked, somehow got a hold of a bow and arrow with metal tips on the end of the arrows. Nope, the staff knew Holland kept a bow and arrow in his room and had often messed around with it with another dude. This time, however, he wasn't playing around. There was threats to the staff, and they properly uh, and promptly decided to evacuate the building. He was arrested, okay? Eventually, he was arrested. At the court hearing, Holland's defense said the man had recently lost his mother and had been depressed and is now in prison custody, and he and his family feel he is getting the care he needs. 
Oh, that's just very nice. Very nice. Everybody makes mistakes, but sometimes this, you know, these Twitter people who will, their pranks are getting out of hand, okay? They really are, like this one. A teenager is defending himself in court after he admitted to randomly punching people in a Texas park, promptly or prompting police to launch an investigation. 19-year-old Alfred Lewis was caught on camera walking on a trail at a Houston park where he attacked at least two people. Once footage was shared on Nextdoor, a neighborhood watch app, to try and identify the suspect, the Harris County Sheriff's Office got involved. Lewis had come forward about the attacks. You know, I just made a mistake, and everybody makes mistakes, the teen told the outlet after he was confronted outside of his home. Lewis confessed he did it for likes and views for his TikTok and YouTube channels. I really didn't expect it to go so left, you know, after he threw a number of rights. It's unclear if any of the victims are going to press charges against the 19-year-old. It's quite a nice neighborhood, so I'm a little surprised that someone's brazen to come up and hit somebody without warning or without reason, one unnamed resident stated. However, Lewis claimed the viral video only shows the bad part of his actions, not what took place after the sucker punches. Of course, because after a sucker punch, and I'm sorry, just makes it all worth it, doesn't it? Slow and steady wins the race, they say. An African sulcata tortoise that slowly ran away from its Florida home three and a half years ago and didn't make it too far at that time. Sheriff's deputies managed to capture the on the lamb reptile that had traveled about eight kilometers from home. He's definitely someone's tortoise as he likes people and head pats, said the sheriff's office. They're trying to find its owner. If you got a tortoise, you live in Florida, maybe it's yours. Who knows? That is your news for the night. Thank you to Chris Holm and Robin Haynes for coming on the show, making this a real good night of entertainment. We very much appreciate it. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is Watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter or X at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
When it comes to buying a pre-owned vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best. With one of the largest selections of pre-owned vehicles in the Tampa Bay area, we have options for every situation and budget. And every vehicle comes equipped with Moss Care, which gives you added peace of mind and features and benefits such as lifetime oil changes, roadside assistance, and so much more. Business today and let one of our knowledgeable team members give you all the information you need to make an informed car buying decision. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. Hey, is that the new iPhone 15 Pro? Yeah, it's made with titanium and the Pro camera is epic. Just got it at T-Mobile. Nice. Yep, and I got their Go 5G Next plan, so now I have the freedom to upgrade my phone every year. Whoa, I gotta get to T-Mobile. Get our best deals on iPhone 15 Pro at T-Mobile.com. One-year upgrade requires Go 5G Next plan, financing new qualifying device, and upgrading in good condition after six months with half paid off.